right, you want to do the song or what? No such thing as art. Hello, hello! <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> episode two of season two. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Or like that much episode ten. I think it's ten. Ten. That's way more than anybody else thought we would do. Yeah, yep. At ten. Least way more than we thought we'd do. Yeah. At least nine more. <laughs> I was going to say nine more than we thought we would do. We were surprised that first one when we were in the studio. Like, hey, we're doing this. Like, Hey, what do we do after we do this? Yeah, that's when, do we get someone else? And then people are like, hey, you going to do any more? Yeah, that was really, I think, what was cool when people listened to it and were like, yeah, that's all. Do, yeah, do more. <laughs> it's like, cool. You want to listen to us ranting? I've been Talking told that stupid? Ross, when he sings in the middle of conversations, is kind of annoying, and people wish that would no, stop. No, no. See, I've heard the exact opposite. I, I hear people want more of that. You're just talking to your mom, right? Your mom's like, oh, my mom is our so biggest good. fan. Actually, my mom listen, refuses to listen to any of my material. Um, it's anything, probably good. Like, yeah, not, yeah. Like, in my comedy, anything, NS, she will not. FW yeah. podcast. Yeah. I think my dad's listening. My sister's obviously listened to it, because um, we did an episode with her, actually. But um, yeah, no, I I feel like we uh, the feedback was really what kind of motivated me to keep doing it too. It was like, hey, cool, people actually like it. I think that one dickhead friend of mine that was like, ah, you guys are done. You're not gonna do another one. COVID killed your podcast. That's oh, what really? motivated. Yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> no fuck you. We're doing it. Yeah, right. If nothing more than a second season, we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, so here we are. I think that uh. I think we're we're gonna keep pushing forward no matter what comes up with this uh pod or this uh COVID shit. I, I think it's it's people are sick of it. You can tell people are getting out and doing stuff again more. But then again, you're seeing the the rates rise or whatever in the news, the numbers they give you. You think that COVID like would would boost podcasts? Because what what else people? Can you do yeah, it, you know? yep. Like what else can you do? When I've you can so many podcasts. Yeah, like, sitting at home, you have to kill your time doing something. So something. I know, uh, like, a lot of people I've talked to, like, started playing video games online more, and, like, that way they had social interaction that way, but and I've never played video games like it's that. Not I always... No, it's not. It's the opposite of social interaction. <laughs> I haven't heard anyone but... tell me that they want to fuck my mom lately. <laughs> really been missing that. Yeah. For the little kids that their mom's actually yelling at them in the background. Turn that off. Mom, I'm playing my game right now! No, but that's, uh, I'm really amazed by, um, the fact that, uh, we did, we got back on the saddle and started doing it again. So, yeah, yeah, here we are. And like, I don't know, I think this, this time around, you know, we're trying a few different things and different format. Almost. Yeah. Opening it up and, and just kind of making it more of a conversation with the people. That way it kind of helps people get to know the people in the community, not just about the stuff they're creating. Yeah. Cause like, I, or a part of. Are you yeah. trying to do like one a week? What's the? Um, that's we we, we kind of like two a month. Two which, a month, yeah, yeah one every other week. Sure. Yeah. So that was kind of the goal with it, and we were doing pretty good with that. And then uh, 
Yeah, COVID did hit. <laughs> so yeah, we was... did a couple Skype interviews. Uh, some of them turned out really well. Uh, one was horrible. Yeah, one turned out really It was an amazing really interview, well. too. Yeah. That's what sucked. It was oh, like a really good technically interview. Technically, it sucked. Yeah, technically, it just, sucked. It was just Wait. really yeah. bad. Yeah. Like, it, it just, like, and it was unfortunate. It was the internet connection that the uh, guest had. And now and they're just dead, so. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> dead. <laughs> <laughs> now he's close. I mean, he's got, what, 112? Yeah. 113? Yeah. No, he's yeah, he's a relic. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's he's li- he's taking care of his ma, who's about that old. I think. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the things that he. Brought he was up a really was... really interesting uh, interview. He, he was an antiquer, uh, yeah. global antiquer. Yeah. Yeah, we got to hear all sorts of cool stories about going to different countries, and the one where some lady knocked herself out when she was showing him some stuff. Yeah. About... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he and he, uh, he does comedy too, so he like you know he oh, you gotta her. get him back. Yeah, we want to try to get him back. Like, uh, He's going out to open other. mics now, yeah. so I think he'd be game to probably come yeah, back on. Yeah, be cool. Get I can for sure get into antiquing. I saw a job recently that was for restoring antique furniture. Yeah, yeah, and it was it paid like fourteen bucks an hour. So I was like, oh no, I can't fucking do that. But yeah. What a cool trade that would be to learn. Yeah. You know? When if you do it independently, you yeah. can make good money. Like, he, this dude, he, this is what he's done. Like, he, he's an antiquer. And, like, he, pff. I really thought about, like, should I do that for a couple of years and learn? Yeah. You, know, you learn the different marks. You learn, then you get to, like, be the guy who goes to the estate sale and you're like, oh, I'll pay 20 This dude would go to different countries and knock on people's doors. Yeah, he was oh, a really? door, door yeah, knocker. Dude, he... Like, what countries? China. Um, China. Um, um, he was there when the Berlin Wall came down. Canada, Germany, Italy, he talked yeah. about. God, how could you... Yeah. What are like an encyclopedic, you know, brain he must have had to like know all of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. etiquette. And like, etiquette, yeah, he yeah. talked about how like certain things can oh, get yeah. you into certain trouble. Yep. It was, this is a really interesting interview. Very I interesting. Would like to circle back and get him in here. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure you guys would all like to hear that too. Who's you? I, me and Justin? No, I, I just, just broke the third wall. Said, uh, I just broke the third wall. You can't do it that. It happened. Okay, sorry. Shh, pretend they're not there. Yeah, we're just going to pretend you're not here. Stop looking oh, at them. you guys. We're, we're not dependent. Wait, I was promised that no one would listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whole reason why I agreed to come on. That was one of my prerequisites to be here. <laughs> why? Does Ross's sister embarrass you? <laughs> <laughs> I think she quit listening, honestly. She, after <laughs> she was like, I already got on now. idiots. <laughs> These guys are idiots, and they call me racist at the end of their podcast. <laughs> yeah, I left it in, too, because it was so funny. She didn't mind I left it in, but it was so funny. I think she handled it well, the way because we were you know, messing with her. Ross called her out for not having a, a very diverse portrait. Yeah. <laughs> She's a photographer. Photographs of white people. Yeah, that's it. So what else have you been up to, Ross? Have you been hitting uh, open mics at all? Um, I, I've had to take a little bit of hiatus with that, but I've, um, I've had recent health issues and stuff, uh, kind of get taken care of that. Feeling a lot like myself again though, um, which is good. And, um, been writing new material. I have a bunch of material written. I'm ready, ready to go with. My mom actually helped me write a, uh, joke about a proctologist. So come, come check me out you when know, I start I doing stuff. I a good proctologist. Yeah, not, you not you do you have models. the, I was just saying, you got the hands for it, man. <laughs> I think I got the personality for it, but, you <laughs> yes. know, like. I'd you be know? like, you'd put me at ease if I was blind and I couldn't see this. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you that don't know, it's a 16 and a half ring finger. I don't know. It's <laughs> little finger, up, I would say probably closer to 18. <laughs> oh, man. Very soft hands, though. I so, can very. to that. <laughs> and soft voice, right? And, yeah, <laughs> calmly smooth. Calming. Very calming. <laughs> 
Um, well, I mean, before we get into it, I guess we could talk about the uh, upcoming shows at Skyline. Uh, I think like you mentioned they're pretty much the only ones around here doing anything currently. Uh, as far as this, so they're set up. There's been bars there a couple times. Bands, but, uh, yeah, um, they they. I think they're at 80, 90% capacity right now. Okay. So they, they went up. They, they've been taking precautions. You get um, Do you have your to wear temperature. a face mask unless yes. you're drinking your yep. drinks? Um, yep. So, uh, it's, I, well, that's the long isn't hard, now. Isn't that hard to look out and see but, a room of people not smiling? Yeah, I would think so. Is that kind of weird? I, I, um, I mean, we've been kind of overly critical about comedy trying to stay alive in, in this. Yeah. In, uh, what do they call it? The new normal. The new normal. The new normal. <laughs> But like, you know, but, <laughs> but like, uh, it's gotta be tough. It's gotta be tough to not be able to like see people openly laughing, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, you hear it. That helps. Like they gotta be better than being in a car. You know, well, that's the thing. Like they have a drive, they're having drive in yeah. like freaking. Yeah. Fitz now. talked about that. Yeah. Really yep. And, uh, uh, Sean just did one actually. And it sounds like I asked him about it afterwards and he's like, yeah, it was Bizarre. I found out afterwards, you know, I was doing all right, but like, when yeah, there's no like, gauge. There's no gauge. Fitz touched no on that because of the ones he was doing out in California. Yep, yeah. So they, I, they probably started. They, they were, they were already doing that stuff out there. I think, uh, like, to get back into it earlier. Yeah, but we yeah, were just before, like, right. fuck it. Let's just open up the places and and give uh, her hell. Give her hell. <laughs> well, we got some shows coming up. Uh, they're still doing open mics every Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, you can sign up online for those. Uh, next weekend, they have Jason Muse from All Rats Clerks. I'm going to be going to that. Uh, I'm excited. All, all the whole, what, what's his name? Uh, Kevin. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith movies, yeah. yep. Uh, the Viewers Universe. Uh, and then the week after that, they have Sarah Colana. Um, she is known from Chelsea Lately and Shameless. Um, and then we got, uh, what's this fellow's name? J.P. Sears. Yeah, he's a guy that was doing the uh, like vegan videos on YouTube and stuff. Real oh yeah, yeah, Facebook, Facebook and stuff. Yeah, and, okay. And then uh, the week after that is Ryan O'Flanagan. Uh, yeah, he's he was on Carson Day last call with Carson Daly. You said he's pretty funny. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he's uh, as far as like people coming up, he's an actual like comedian. You know what I mean? Well, I yeah, not like a like an internet star, internet star or something. like a funny or Jason Hughes, who's a uh, star, star, you know, movie star. Well, and, like but that was interesting because last time he was in town and we saw him, it was like it wasn't really stand up. It was no just, stories. It was all, yeah, it was all stories, stories, and like so most of them were funny, but some of yeah. them were just like kind of cool stories he wanted to share. Yeah, which was cool, but it was more like um. More, Isn't I don't like know. what Mike Tyson was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just more going like around. A, and not, I don't want to say like a spoken word. It, it's not poetry, but yeah, just definitely sharing stories. It's not, like jokes. it's not like written jokes. No, right. and it was right. a Q and A for a while. I mean, he like started asking questions and right. just had, kind of held a Q and A. And uh, yeah, it was real laid back of a. Um, he had a comedian on before him, and then Sean was actually the host that night. Yeah, I remember that. That was yeah. Then um, at the end of October, we got Miles Weber who. Apparently, is known from MTV, so he must be on that teenage and pregnant show or something like that. Yeah. Um, then, uh, let me see, the first week in, in November, Brian Callen's actually going to be on uh, in town. He's known from quite a few things. Uh, Joe Rogan Experience. Uh, ABC's The Goldbergs. Um, and then we got 
The Hodge Twins, Jeff Allen, and Chad Prather to finish out November. Uh, so if you're interested, check out their website, SkylineComedy.com. Is Jeff Allen Tim Allen's twin? Right. <laughs> Just looking from the thumbnail. It's like, he looks it's more like a, a young, old Mel Brooks. He's the liberal type. A Allen. young, old Mel Brooks? Yeah, like early 60s, not <laughs> oh, late 80s. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know. Got a red, white, and blue banner. But the guy next to him, Chad Prather, he's been on Fox News, so... And Annie, I think, yeah. I think Duck Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually drinking. Sure a, makes that Stetson look good, though. Going back to some of the things we did on the early episodes, I'm drinking a uh, Barrel Forty One drink um, called Dead Trends. It is a uh, um, IP, IPV. No, that's a well, shut up, Ross. Um, <laughs> IPA. Uh, Elemental P. Elemental P. Craft beer. <laughs> the, the ABV is 5.2%. It's very, very hoppy. Very hoppy. But, uh, yeah, Fuck it's got a skunk, skunkier taste. No, all right. That kind of plays into uh, our theme for today, though, bringing the, uh, the locally, local businesses back around, you know. Maybe not everything locally sourced. I don't think we don't have local hunter and tobacco fields. <laughs> no, but there, there, is some local, somewhere. there is some local Wisconsin tobacco. Is there? <laughs> For sure, yeah. Where do they grow it? Uh, down south. Hold on, hold on. I'm oh, sorry. Go on. <laughs> Let's finish your beer. Oh, okay. We're going to do this. We're going to yes. finish your beer, your critique, and okay. then Here we go. launch into our guests and get into Cigar 101. Yeah, very happy though. Definitely very happy. Um, and I guess, guess we could have just kept the original. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, it's got um, it's got a real mellow taste though. It doesn't like like hit you like you know. Is it a citrus? Are, is it a sour? There's, it's, there's a citrusy. It's it's got like a little bit of a uh, tartness to it. Um, almost like uh, Ross is the most unrefined beer critic. I am. I'm the most met. unrefined beer critic. No, the beer man on like Post Crescent was pretty freaking. He still had a better. Variety of words. <laughs> <laughs> he had time to think it out before he wrote it. I'm just on the fly here. But yeah, anyways, uh, definitely uh, beer. I was, I don't know if they, this was already back in uh, March, so it's been sitting in my fridge since we started out. So it's been aged. aged so depression. I'm not sure if that's kind of dulled it out. Or, yeah, <laughs> aged low, and low alcohol content for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. What's, what's that's the, kinda, what is it? Uh, dead one? Trends, it's called. No, no, what's the alcohol content? Oh, 5.2. Five point two for an IPA. That's like a Budweiser. I know. Normally, you see like eight, eights, nines. Is it some skunky? Of those? It is. It does have a skunky taste. It's got you that think hoppy. That's because it's nine months old. I might. <laughs> it's in a can, so it shouldn't. I mean, no. It was that skunkiness is from coming light hitting through a bottle. Yeah. You know? No. But uh, it's still. Yeah, know, five point two. Beer, that's for sure. <laughs> Where is this place? Where is this barrel? 41? Um, barrel forty one is in Nina here. Um, really? it actually is. Uh. Um, on the end of where, Street. on Commercial Street, on the end of where Family Video was, and is now on I think. Uh, what's it on the end of? On the end of so so oh, the building, the building, oh. the building. <laughs> 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 they actually have a little outdoor uh, patio area that they built um, since like all this COVID shit started, and uh, I've seen a lot of people out there drinking out on their patio. They got it all spaced out real nice too, so they must bring the stuff out. I know, like, Lion's Tail, they don't even let you in 
you can't drink in there, but they'll release stuff yet. Sure. And dude, they have lines like around the yeah, building. Yeah, I've seen that a couple. Like times. it's like whole like driving uh, around. There's a couple places a I think in Appleton that are also doing beer drive-throughs. Yeah. So you can order, I think McFleischmann's. Um, I know down in Madison they're doing a lot of stuff like that too, uh, where you can order ahead of time and they'll give you a variety pack or yeah whatever's on tap at the time and. I know uh, Appleton Beer Factory. They actually just had a comedy show there again, so they they I don't know if they're regularly open for um, during the day and stuff, but um, they have a back room in there. But they were only at thirty three percent capacity there, so uh, that was uh, Fox Valley Comedy that put that on. Did you make it out to the show? I did not. I did not make it out, but uh, I know I lied. Same reason why I haven't been getting open mics, uh, babysitters and stuff. My babysitter got a second shift job now. But anyways, um, <laughs> Appleton Beer Factory, um, they had a pretty, uh, it sounds like they, they had a pretty good turnout and a uh, good show there. So I, I did a show there before all this hit, and that was fun. I was with uh, Brackenridge, and um, that was a, oh, my God, that was a good crowd. Uh, definitely, it's nice to have a place where you get pay, uh, paid, people, like people have to pay to get in, because it's and instead of like a free bar show where you're just going to get some drunk locals that are heckling you and shit. People paid to be there. They're going to be quiet. They're going to be attentive. They're going to listen to what you have to say. Uh, a lot more, a lot easier room to command than a uh, a free show at a bar. <laughs> I wonder if they would do one right next to my cigar shop is, uh, oh, what the fuck is the name of that place? They have that open front, like the, the facade of the building comes down and they have bands in there. Yeah, it's just open, isn't it? Some bent keg or some shit? Yeah, bent keg. Be. Cool. Yeah, it just opened recently. Yeah, it's pretty cool open right there. Yeah. Well, that can circle us back around to the Wisconsin tobacco. Yeah. So our guest today is Justin White, representing of the Appleton Souvenir and Cigar Shop, College Avenue, downtown Appleton. Justin, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to have you. Yes. We've been talking <laughs> about it for a while. It's nice to finally get you on here. Yeah, no, yeah, we've always... Fun. Been someone that uh, I know, like when we were younger too, musically. I, I always thought that was amazed at your guitar skills. So you have that musical side as well as. I think what he's saying is for twenty dollars. For twenty dollars, yeah, that's what that's. I'm always happy to get twenty dollars. Guitar, or do I have to play something, or is this just a just a, just a freebie? Just hum. Oh, hum. Mm-hmm. It was always the voice. It was no. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, you've just been a. Uh, Someone we we both knew and stuff. I I know uh, Tommy's going riding with you more. Um, I yeah, I didn't even know you had a bike. Horses. I do we ride yeah. horses. <laughs> we ride <yeah>, horses. <laughs> Don't know like that. <laughs> uh, no, it's been I've been run, wanting to get you in for a while. You know, um, Justin, as a musician, you have played locally. You know, and and definitely we've played together. But also, I mean, I guess in the past year more what two years you've definitely taught me a few things about cigars i was never really a cigar person before that yeah uh, but i've learned a lot and i've learned to appreciate them yeah i really in the last like i right three years i really got pretty passionate about cigars yeah now you can't shut me up about them so so here i am yeah so <laughs> we're creating a platform for you to speak on them did you bring us some goodies today i brought you uh this is a gray clip, 30-year vintage. So this is an African Cameroon wrapper that's actually been aged for 30 years before they wrap this cigar in it. Really? What's a Cameroon? 
Uh, Cameroon is just a, a seed varietal okay. of tobacco. There's a bunch of Cuban seed varietals, Nicaraguan, Dominican, uh, Mexican San Andreas. There's Criollo 99, Corojo 98. There's, there's tons of different seed varietals, just like corn, wheat. Anything can have a different seed that you plant it from. CBD. CBD, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Marijuana, that'd be a great example of what we're talking about here. And then, you know, they all have their own distinct characteristics. Um, there's different characteristics to the places they're grown, the soil they're grown in. Um, it's a lot like wine. It's a okay. lot like being a sommelier because you're talking about this volcanic soil from the Jalapa region of Nicaragua it creates a specific taste in the tobacco. You know, so it gets it gets pretty. Huh. It's, it's pretty similar to coffee yeah, it gets in, pretty, that, in that, that regard, yeah, right? There's a lot of too, that's a, great, a lot of different levels you can you can yeah. uh, another judge factor or, is the sun. Um, sure. In that area, how much sun is hitting the plant? Was it shade grown? Was it sun grown? Was it how was it fermented? I mean, there's a million things to sure. Learn so know, do but... they do they do things uh, after they harvest to to um, to give them certain uh, uh, yeah just different characteristics? Yeah, there's the way the tobacco is aged is is a big deal. And can change things a lot. So uh, fresh tobacco has a lot of ammonia to it, so it needs to be aged to get okay. that ammonia out of it. But from that point on, they can do um, barn curing, you know, air drying. They can do, they can age tobacco in polones, which are big stacks that weigh tons of tobacco, and they actually heat up in the middle because the tobacco is fermenting in the middle, so it's creating. Oh heat. yeah, okay, yeah. And then they open those polones up and and rotate and shift the tobacco inside of them to to age them differently. Um, that's where a lot of a lot of your darker cigars come from. Okay. Um, sometimes they barrel aged cigars and bourbon barrels. They, I've had them from sherry cask barrels. So when they do it like that, do they make the cigar first and then stick them in there and let them chill for a while? Well, they do it both ways. Okay. Well, they, they, the I tobacco mean, and then or the yeah, you cigars can you can whole. age tobacco in a barrel or you can age the cigars the cigar, themselves. Okay. And then you know there are companies that um, make their cigars, pre roll them, and then put them in a room, a cedar room, Spanish cedar room, and they let the humidity in the room go up to a certain temp or a certain level. Right. And then they drop it down over a five year span and then they're shaving the walls in the cedar room to age their cigars a certain way. Really? I mean wow. They do all sorts of wow. things. Yeah. How do you think like, they come up with this? It's just process. like you know, well, it's been making yeah. whiskey or something. They just try different shit. Like yeah. the Jefferson yeah. aged at sea, you know, they put that sure. They literally put it on a boat and send it out to sea for a couple of years. <laughs> and it comes back and people are like, oh, it's kind of salty. Like, well, until you just try something. You know? All right, I guess. I wonder works. if you're going to achieve the same result by just like setting it next to the sea. Yeah. Instead of wasting Close, like yeah, the fuel. Different regions of the sea are saltier than ours. <laughs> so finish telling me about uh, what you brought us. So this is an African Cameroon for a beginning smoker. It's pretty, pretty laid back. It's okay. got some sweetness. Um, it's got a Mexican San Andreas binder, which is a little bit more spicy, but it just kind of adds the complexity to the cigar because I find when you get a cigar that's just super mellow all the way through, it's fine, but it's not very interesting. So these, I think, are a little more interesting, um, kind of hard to come by lately. And again, I mean, it's a 30-year wrapper, so who? My, my thought is who 30 years ago is like, I'm going to put these leaves aside. Yeah. <laughs> and 30 years later, someone's like, oh, now they're ready. You know, but, not yet. But here. Not yet. The day has come, my now, son. Those leaves are ready. Now we must smoke them. So, cut these for you guys here. 
Yeah, get us started on that, and then uh, clip the ends and all that. And lighten yeah. us a little more. We're so inexperienced. So, so when you're cutting these, that, that wrapper leaf is one big leaf. Yeah. Yep. You know, there's a. So there's that's the tobacco. That's the tobacco leaf. Yep, is what's wrapped. One leaf. Yep. It's all tobacco. A cigar is all. Tobacco. Yeah, it's all tobacco. You look at a cigarette. It's got hundreds of ingredients in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's tons of shit to make that paper burn fast enough to make the tobacco not dry out you don't have to worry about humidity with a pack of right. cigarettes when's the last time you like threw your pack of cigarettes in the humidor like okay, yeah. keep these fresh no one gives a fuck it tastes like shit anyway but <laughs> this you have to keep at the right humidity you have to keep it at the right temperature um and then they they have a filler made up of whatever tobaccos they have and then around that filler there's one leaf which is called the binder and then the pretty leaf on the outside is the wrapper leaf so when they wrap this it's one big leaf and then they take a piece of that leaf and you can kind of see this cap here yeah to make a cap on that and you just want to make sure when you cut these you don't cut below that cap because then that big leaf will start unraveling on unraveling you and you start getting little bits of tobacco and shit in your mouth yeah which you don't want so you're just taking just enough the tip off to get just the tip just That's the tip right. just enough to get some airflow through there nice and ross i don't know what you know about smoking cigars but don't inhale. Do not. <laughs> I know Tommy, that much. Tommy, Tommy, Tommy took a puff the other day. He was, he was coughing pretty hard. I did that. Oh, instantly. Instantly. <laughs> yeah, yep. It was totally an accident. Yeah, well, because like, uh, like we, uh, you were saying the other day, like it's just smoke goes into like lungs. That's what you know. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I used to it, but like now that I've been smoking cigars for so long, I would never ever inhale. Yeah, it was accidental. Yeah. It took me a few minutes to recover from it. Yeah, it's kind of reflexive. But All right, you, so you're used to you're it. torching it right now so using a torch lighter. This is. What's known as toasting the foot. Yeah, you want toasting to use a butane lighter or a wood match, something that's not going to um, taint the, the flavor, flavor of tobacco. Yep. I mean, you don't want to use a zip or something like that. You can. Whatever. But that's you don't have to be that snobby. Yeah. I mean, some people use cedar spills, which is actually pieces of that, that Spanish cedar that you get in a, in a cigar box. They break them off. Yeah. And they light that cedar spill and light the cigar off of that because... They're such purists. I've tried it every different it's, way. <laughs> yeah. Nah. I mean, if I'm smoking for the first like puff or two, it's like okay, yeah, I can. The zippo, I can see I too, because you can, you can, fluid, you can taste it just lighting the zippo from yeah. like a foot away yeah, from you. Light yeah. a cigarette, you taste it, but so okay. the point of this butane torch lighter is, you know, the wind resistance, easier to light, and you want to toast this foot, you're just getting it. What's the other end called? The tip of the foot. So the, the foot is the open end of the cigar, the, the part that you light, yep. remember, is going to be, and the head of the cigar is what you're cutting. Okay. Head and the foot. Makes head sense. The foot. So you get this toasted, and you're going to put that in your mouth. Ooh, I wish you guys could see this. Oh. <laughs> and then, oh. <laughs> then puff on it. Make sure you get a nice, good cherry on the end there, and you're good. I mean, you're smoking a cigar, too. You don't, the point of smoking a cigar is to relax. You don't. It's, it's not for nicotine. It's not going on your smoke break and you're yeah. going to smoke a cigar for an hour and a half. Fire, fire <laughs> you know, so you're, not, you're not powering through the thing. You yeah. Take a puff. Just I, take a puff. You know, once, twice a minute. Just keep it lit. Keep it going and, and you're good. Pull Tommy, it more naturally, Ross. Tommy, you know what you're doing. It make, you make you point. feel comfortable with it. Yeah. There you, know, you look afraid of it. I am a little afraid of it. You know, there's a, there's a chart. It's like a... I should have I brought it. See if I could find it. There's a, a chart of like nine different ways to hold your cigar. It's <laughs> Correlate to personality types. <laughs> what is Ross's? What do you call Ross's personality type? Oh man, I don't know. I think that might be angry old man. Novice. Angry old man. Novice, yeah. I was thinking, I don't know. You hear the torch going? You guys hear that? Oh wait, there I am breaking that third wall again. Um this is amazing. I definitely do taste like 
I don't know. It's just like <laughs> instantly my mouth is like numbing. Kind what, of. What, what kind of stuff are you getting out of it? If you if you had to try and name flavors out of there, and it's not you're not. I mean, it's not flavored, but it's like tasting wine and saying, oh, it's got, um, you know, a woodiness to it or a nuttiness to it or chocolate, coffee. These are all kind of things that that you get out of cigars usually. I taste those, uh, sort of a woodiness to this. Yeah, definitely an yeah. earthy. An earthy kind of, but it's really smooth, you know, like, uh, early on, especially before I knew anything about cigars and I'd like go grab one, uh, a lot of times they were just really strong right off the bat. This, uh, this is smooth right away. Um, I don't know, it definitely has like a, a lighter, a lighter come down, like finish. Not a long finish, right? Then the finish, when we're talking about finish, we're talking about how long does the flavor stay on your tongue yeah. and build in your mouth after you've blown the smoke out? And there are some cigars that are yeah, that's super spicy. Linger, yeah. pepper. I mean, this has a little bit of spice to it, but you really, with that aged tobacco, you're getting that smoothness of the longer you age tobacco, the more it mellows out, just like wine. Okay. You know, the more the flavors kind of blend together. So I get out of this like a nuttiness, um, some sweetness, which Cameroon is pretty yeah. typical of. Um, you're getting maybe a little bit of, of breadiness out of that that those kind of notes in there and like i said a little bit of pepper not really like a black pepper but maybe like like a white pepper. yeah and it's not a super subtle, strong a lot of times pepper. it can be punchy yeah you know and there are some cigars that are just that's all it is it's just pepper like yeah it just makes your eyes water because it's so strong and some people love that um i like one like that every once in a while like maybe after a big steak dinner or something but sure not, i get you you know but some people um really get into these these tastings like this and they start saying all sorts of crazy shit. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, you dump out a box of Captain Crunch and the dust on the bottom, you snort that. That's the flavor profile. It's like you're tasting smoke, you fucking asshole. <laughs> I mean, at, at some point, let's not, not go crazy. But <laughs> That's funny because like um, a couple weeks ago, somebody asked me like, you know, as a, as a chef or whatever, what's your favorite food? And I said, I, I like a lot of foods, you know, but I think I have more favorite flavors of things, you know? So, like, like there's some weird, you know, baked cheese. Like, not on anything, but, like, stuck to a Pyrex oh, baking Oh, yeah, the stuff dish. on the bottom? Yeah. yeah. Said, we were at this place in Green Bay today, and uh, we, we were eating uh, Eggs Benedict, and one of them had bacon jam on it. And the bacon jam they had, I was like, fuck this, I'm making bacon jam. Because it was amazing. And it, was like that, it was like that piece of bacon that's left in the pan. Yeah. You know, it had that super intense. Umami. Know, like, yeah, like burnt ends off a, off yeah. a you know, steak or something. Like it had that super, super intense savory. sweetness and the yeah. peppers and the onion there. Oh, my God, it was good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm about that kind of stuff. But I think that that helps when it comes to something like this. Because, you know, I understand how to distinguish it. A palate sure. with it, you know, and, and just to grow your palate, you know, it's just like anything right. else, like um, you know, drinking whiskey or drinking wine or drinking tequila or eating different foods that you're for sure. The longer you, if you're paying attention to it, you know, coffee, coffee's like that too, yeah. yeah. And like the scar is a great way to do that to build your palate because you're sitting down for an hour and relaxing. And if you want, you know, it's a great thing to sit down and talk to your friends, talk to some new people at a shop or something. Yeah, it's and, definitely been something cool that, for me to get You can also just it. sit down and smoke a cigar and pay attention to the cigar and think, well, you know, what am I getting out of this? Yeah. How does it change from the beginning of the cigar to the end of the cigar? Maybe there's different bunching in there that they did. Or maybe there's, I mean, there's just so much to 
nerd out about if you want to. <laughs> so thanks for inviting me. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. No, it's a good resource for for people to go to the cigar shop. And, and oh, yeah, and absolutely. Come visit me, Afton Cigar Lounge, uh, right downtown College Avenue. I'm there Saturdays, every Saturday for the most part. Uh, we're open 11.30 to 10.30 right now with COVID hours. And the business has been pretty good. You guys, you guys do hookah right down there? No. <laughs> <laughs> no hookah lately? No, no hookah lately. <laughs> I always liked hookah tobacco, though. That was one thing I remember when I actually smoked tobacco out of a hookah. Like, it was like, well, it's a wet... Smoke out of it? uh, what, what else would you CB, smoke out of CBD. Yeah. Oh, um, right. <laughs> but well. that was... Uh, <laughs> Uh, locally sourced, of course, uh, <laughs> but we had some, uh, um, this wet, wet tobacco is, um, it's weirder than hell. And, um, you, you light this weirder like, little, than weirder than hell, but <laughs> you light this little like, um, cone that's like a, um, it's, it's a, coal. a charcoal, yeah, it's yeah. a coal and you set it on top of this wet, like freaking tobacco, but yeah, it dries it out as it's weird, going. We were doing it for, and you actually have to dry it. Like, everyone has a different method of yeah. this because we used to do the hookah, like, how you set it up. So if you just plop it in the bowl and give it to them, like, it won't burn. It'll There's so much moisture in there. You really have to dry it out first. Um, and it smells great. I've never done it. Yeah. I'm not big into flavored tobacco. Like, yeah. when I first started smoking cigars, it was flavored cigars from the gas station, you know? And I was yeah. Like, yeah, I was going to grab us a pack of Swishers with the wood tips, but I figured <laughs> that probably would just I, upset Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> just, just as a contrast, you know, like here's premium tobacco, here's some dog. Now garlic. try this. Oh, and a lot of people good. really love those infused cigars. They're just way too sweet to me. I can't go back to them. It's like, it's like Robitussin. It's like, it's like flavored whiskey, you know? Yeah. You don't want that. <laughs> Have some self-respect. So a lot of people see cigars as like a manly thing, right? Like a... What do you have to say against that? Like a like a machismo thing. Yeah, yeah. A lot of powerful white men like to smoke cigars. Yeah, you know that's true. And I see a lot of guys like come in and flex in the shop. You know, mm -hmm. which is funny too because these guys come in and they want the biggest, gnarliest looking cigar, and the gnarliest whiskey or or whatever they can. You know, because they think they're and then they smoke a third of it and it's just sitting in the ashtray. They never finish <laughs> it because they just turn green and tuck their tail between their legs. And go home, you know? I love that, but it makes me happy. But um, no, there's a lot more women getting into cigar smoking, and a lot more. I, th I think that stigma is becoming less and less because it used to be, you know, that Charlie Bronson yeah. smoking a big stogie '70s movie, right? Know? Um, and then there is still some aspect of that, and it is in a, a large part, it's like an old white men's club in a lot of ways, right? Well, so, like at the, least in this area, you know, the finer are, things, atmosphere, sure. aesthetic kind of thing, you yeah. know. So there's kind of, there's kind of different groups, right? Because you have your guys who are who are their pinky in their air, yeah, having a nice thirty dollar padrone, right? And uh, you know, after their after their refined dinner, and then you have the guys who come in blue collar and they want their strong cigar and kick back with a whiskey and coke, or yeah, you know, there's that aspect. But there are, I think, more and more people getting into it, especially now. Um, there was a big cigar boom in the '90s, and it's happening again, especially. I remember. Now. I remember a little bit of the news from the '90s involving a cigar. <laughs> you think that's you why? Think, the, you, think that's why the boom? you think that I was just thinking the that same was, thing? That was for sure an infused cigar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't speak to how sweet it was. <laughs> um, Do you think that's what caused the influx? No, the boom? I don't think so. I think it just it just started going crazy, and I, you know, it used to be just, um, you know, it was kind of just Cuba really was the big cigar manufacturer, and actually they would import tobacco from the United States a lot of times for the wrappers from Pennsylvania from uh, Connecticut, 
to do rappers and stuff, but a lot of it was just Cuban seed tobacco, and that's where it came from. And then the embargo hit, and a lot of those Cubans left Cuba because of the way the government was run, because of communism and things. Mm. And they went to, um, you know, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic. They found different countries that had similar climates. Honduras, were, Honduras, Chile, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, some some places in Mexico that were good for growing tobacco, and they started messing around with stuff there. And now. You know, people still think, I, I don't know how many times people come into my shop and say, oh, how many Cubans you got? No, we don't have any Cubans. <laughs> like, you, you can't sell Cubans in, in the United States still. But you'd think Donald Trump would be cooler than that. But <laughs> but um, really, the tobacco coming so, out of Nicaragua and Dominican is just as good. Wasn't as there something better. like a, a year or a couple of years ago that, that said you could you can get Cubans now, but you, you can't sell them? You could travel to Cuba for a while there. They lifted the... Trade embargo. Yeah, they lifted the embargo there. So you could go there and buy Cubans. And you can actually buy Cubans here if you go online. Um, there are places in Europe okay. that will ship you cigars. Um, I got one off of a guy from work, actually. Um, uh, my partner, who was an electrician, because I'm a millwright, and uh, we work uh, uh, swing shift for maintenance um, so that they can have maintenance there 24 hours to troubleshoot on the machines. Sure. And... Um, he was a huge cigar. Like, that's my reference to cigars was him. And I so remember did you smoke it? I smoked it, and I I inhaled, too. Oh, so, like, not the whole thing. Holy but, shit, like, I, like I, I got sick. I, I was definitely, <laughs> like, because I wasn't that experienced. Like, Swisher Sweets I had smoked and shit like that, but I had never, <laughs> like. bad is if you don't get them from a reputable source, and I don't know, like, maybe, they, maybe it absolutely was a legit Cuban. There are tons of people who go down to... Mexico, go down to the beaches, the Bahamas, things like that, and people will sell them Cubans. Yeah, Cubans. That absolutely are not Cubans. And there are a lot of times um, guys will bring those cigars back and you open them up and there's floor sweepings in there. There can be rat shit in there. There can be hair Oh, in there. fuck. There be... Some people have actually bought what they thought were Cubans and they're actually dried out banana leaves that they rolled up and made them <laughs> like a cigar. And they're, you know, they're trying to smoke that shit. And you're like, yeah, that's not going to uh, I had a guy, see, come, I had a guy come into my shop. One of the best all the time doesn't always get you the best. I had a guy come into my shop one time and he was so excited that he had this 20 cigars that were <coughs> David off of Geneva, which is a very expensive cigar. They're in the, anywhere from the 25 to $35 range. And he had a box, uh, he had a bunch of Cohibas, which is a, a Cuban brand. And he, you know, he's, oh man, look at what I got on the beach in the Bahamas, you know, and I, I only paid like, Ten dollars a stick for these. The guy had like forty cigars. You know, he blew four hundred dollars on the beach from some guy walking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's and, yeah. And he's like, there "Are these? These are good, right? This is a really good cigar, right?" Because I don't know anything about cigars. And I was like, <coughs> "You know, it's just it's, absolutely they were fake. I mean, they're oh man, fake as a three dollar bill." But hate to tell the guy, but it's just one of those things where you get what you pay for, and if it seems too good to be true, then it absolutely is. Right. So you got to watch out for the fake Cubans, but. Again, like I said, you get really great stuff from Nicaragua and the Dominican, and that's not really counterfeited. Because so, what what to you makes a, a great cigar? Um, the construction is really important. So, I just came from a, a shop in Green Bay, and nothing against them because it's not their fault at all. Cigars, premium cigars, are handmade, hand rolled. Sometimes you're gonna get one that was rolled too loose, too tight. There might be something wrong in the bunching that. It's going to burn funny. It was Dave's first day, and he didn't really know. It was Dave's mom's first day. So I smoked a $15 cigar while I was watching the package play up there, and I I cut it and looked at the end, the tobacco on the end, and you could tell it was so tight. I was like, no, there's no way I'm getting any air from this thing. And it was so, you know, when you're really trying to 
to pull on the thing, and it, it just wasn't working. Yeah, and it just becomes an unpleasant experience. Yeah, you're working more than you're relaxing. And then if it's too loose and the cigar is burning too fast, the tobacco, that ember will actually heat up too much, and it can start making the tobacco bitter. It can start making, you know, it's just not how you want it to combust. So if you're looking at the burn line on this, it's pretty straight. It's not real wavy. Yeah. It's not burning down one side really fast like the, uh, you know, the, the joints I remember sure. rolling back in high school. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not tunneling. It's not, you know, the ash is staying on in good inch long chunks before it falls off. It's yeah. not real flaky. So you're looking at construction issues like that. And then you're looking at how it's blended, the flavors, the complexity. Is it changing? Is it boring? Is it... You know, every once in a while, as it shift a little bit, and you go, oh, now I'm maybe tasting a little citrus in here, maybe even a little salt or something. It kind of keeps your attention. Um, it doesn't just burn you out. It doesn't just, you know, some cigars you smoke, and it's it's like it's like drinking everything. It just ruins your palate because it's just too much. Too yeah, much. It's, sure. just, it's just nothing but pepper, you know? Yeah. Or, or drinking hot sauce. It ruins your Yeah, right, right. The There's night, no so. flavor. It just burns. Yeah, right. I got you. So I don't want to think too much. I want to just sit back, relax. It stays lit. Um, it doesn't taste bitter, doesn't ash all over me, you know, yeah. it's just, and really what it comes down to is a uh, good cigar is just whether you like it or not. Sure. You know? Yeah. So what's one of your favorites? Um, I've been digging these great clips lately, which sucks cause they won't be around much longer. Um, like I said, there's a 30 year rapper, so that's not, <laughs> do I wait 30 <laughs> years? Maybe they'll come out with another They don't match. have a yearly harvest of yeah, 30 no, year rappers going on? Um, some of my favorite stuff is coming out of Honduras lately, and there's a really cool maker there. His name's Oscar Valderas, and I, I really have been learning kind of his story. That's the one you gave me the other day, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was and, excellent. And how he's kind of come up, uh, you know, he, was, he he just hustled all the time, and he ended up working for another cigar manufacturer, Rocky Patel, and he was just doing tours. He didn't smoke cigars, and then he started kind of smoking cigars and getting into it, and he fell in love with it kind of like I did. And he started going to these makers and, and really learning the process from them. And these guys in Cuba who taught them everything about the about the process, about the different leaves, everything. And he and he's just a self-made guy. And so then he went back to his home in Honduras and he started this factory. And um, I mean, these countries are super poor. Honduras, right. Nicaragua, the yeah. Dominican, they're very poor. So one of the absolute best jobs you can get as skilled labor in those countries is, is actually rolling cigars. I mean, it's a very very highly skilled jobs. Some, yeah. some of these cigars Look that people very make, there are only, you know, 10 people in the world that can roll those cigars. They're oh, allowed shit. to roll that tobacco. Really? To really? It, you know? Wow. And um, so they get paid pretty good. So he really brought the community up doing that. And then he uh, told a really cool story about the bands that he makes are actually made from like a, a recycled paper. And he found these, okay. these women in the neighborhood who were making paper and selling paper. And they're super poor. You know, they were making paper out of any vegetation they could find, banana leaves, whatever. And he said, could you make paper out of these tobacco trimmings? And they said, sure. He said, all right, well, you're all hired. And he hired all these women and now, you know, all their families are eating because he's yeah, selling a okay. ton of these cigars and he needs that paper to make That's his bands. Cool. You know? yeah. I like, I like stuff like that. And you know? so the packaging was really cool because it was, it was another tobacco leaf, right? Yeah. He actually wraps his tobacco or his cigars in one big tobacco. Leaf. Yeah, that cool. was, it is cool. It gives it a unique look. And it was a really, it was an enjoyable cigar, too. Oh, yeah. He makes Again, it wasn't too overpowering. Fantastic cigars. Honduran tobacco is a really good place to start if you're just trying to get into cigars because it's um, very medium-bodied, mild to medium-bodied, but it's also flavorful, usually some sweetness there, a lot of, like, chocolate, coffee notes, whereas your Nicaraguan tobacco is usually for the more experienced smoker, um, much bolder, a lot of pepper in there. And then Dominican tobacco has more of a musty, earthy um 
barnyard kind of kind okay. of taste to it. So, so, so Hondurans, I've been smoking a ton of that. I, I mean, I've been smoking a ton of everything. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've really taken to the Connecticut's that you've given me in the last few months. Uh, I found that I really like the, I don't know, I guess the calm, the, the mellowness to it. Yeah. That. Um, it's not, it's not a cigar you have to do a lot of thinking about. Yeah. It's very easy to smoke, kick back. And then, so bringing that back, you know, I've talked a lot about, um, Honduras, Cuba, Nicaragua, Ecuador, you know, these places all make tobacco. Well, actually the United States makes tobacco too. And there actually is a, um, like I said, in the South here in Wisconsin, we grow a lot of chew. Okay. Um, We're like down by Beloit? Yeah. Yeah. Down in the Racine area in the, okay. in the south of the state. Um, but actually, one of my favorite cigar makers, a guy named Steve Saka, he makes a cigar called Don Dorama, and it's got it's called a Wisconsin Comstock tobacco, and he put it in these cigars. You know, he sells it at a shop in Michigan, which kind of sucks, but you can order them. <laughs> you know, I'm super excited to try that. I haven't got my hands on any yet, but I will. But I mean, people, I, there's a girl who works at the shop with me, and she grows her own tobacco every year. You know? really? really, that's cool. How now? As far as like, because I was thinking about this, like. As like a smoker myself, like to self sustain on growing your own tobacco, what what would that take? Like, and I I suppose it'd be different for a cigarette because like you say cigarettes are, but but like I definitely could see smoking this and like because this would be a lot easier to do because it's pure tobacco, you know. Like, yeah. so you you would be able to like like last a lot longer with something like this. Even I I had a my coworker he would he would often like put out and relight his uh cigars too um which i i don't know i would think because i know where the cigarette reburns never taste that great no, i'm thinking cigar same, would, but you can do it it's yeah cigar, do whatever yep, you want. yep and uh i i just uh i just wondered what what it would take to like how much tobacco plants how much space would that take to grow your own tobacco to uh to fulfill your addiction your needs on, <laughs> on, different, on different tobaccos um, some tobacco. It's a hobby. It's a hobby. <laughs> I know this is a hobby, but I'm, well, I'm thinking about cigarettes. Like, <laughs> um, you know, different tobacco plants. Some grow five, six feet tall. Some grow three, four feet tall. And that, that, you know, reflects a lot on the pricing too, because if you have a tobacco that has a small yield, because it only grows three feet tall and the leaves are small, you know, would it taste great? Or maybe it doesn't. You have a much smaller yield of much more work is going into growing that tobacco and aging that tobacco when you're getting a smaller amount of cigars to sell because of it. So that'll affect, you know, what the price of it is. Yeah. Um, as far as growing, you know, cigarette tobacco, we don't really have a great climate cause we don't have a great like period to grow here. Yeah. So you probably couldn't do that much. I don't think it would really be self-sustaining, but more in the, like the, the cigar tobaccos, you know, it's more fun. Cause you can grow one plant and then you can, you can fuck around with it. You can put those leaves in a in a rum barrel and see what they taste see what like they in taste two years. Like, yeah, you know, yep. or or you can there's there's a lot of um, nuance too. Like after you actually get the cigars, you know, I'll get a box of cigars. I'll smoke when I like it. Okay, then I put it away. And I say in six months I'm gonna come back to this and see what they taste like. And then maybe I come back in a year and see what they taste like. Yeah. And then at some point you go, okay, now they're you know I don't think they're gonna get better than this. And then at some point there's uh, a limit to the returns on it because I just smoked a uh, I had my three-year sobriety anniversary was this week and i've been saving this cigar from 2000. congratulations on that yeah thanks Good thanks job. um i've been saving this cigar from 2014 that i've smoked that cigar you know when they're new or when they're 
you know, you just buy a box and you get one off the top and it's fantastic. And the one I smoked from 2014, it was good, but it really had lost all its complexity. Well, it's kind of, yeah. I mean, that happens with wine too, you know, where, yeah, where, sure. where it mellows out too much or even whiskeys, you know, some, some real diehard whiskey guys will say like, no, I'd rather smoke a tenor or drink a tenor, a 12 year scotch than a 25 year scotch, except for 25 years, it's all muddled together so much that, yeah, I mean, it's good. But there's you can't really pick out different characteristics. It's lost sure. something, you know. Yeah. Which is controversial, I'm sure, because you'd think, like, well, in that community, I know, like, well, naysayers, right? The, the na- they're yeah. like, well, no, no, you, it needs to be the longer the age, the better it but, is. And like, again, and again, I, I agree like, with you. I think there would be a, again that like high baller mentality that yeah. like, twenty five dollar bottle. You know that bottle costs four hundred dollars versus ten year scotch. But you can get it for forty fifty sixty. Exactly. Bucks. I mean, you guys ever had fifteen year age cheddar? It's a dog. You gotta know. You gotta know first. You gotta know. Gotta get some of that. That's ain't cheap either. No, I think I have some of my cheese drawer at home. Really? Aren't you impressive? It's no, a, like I think it's. I, I think it's all mold now. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. Do, you, do you guys think that like cheese drawers are something that happen in other other states? I was thinking that the other day. This is the cheese drawer, right? Like, like what the fuck do they do with that in in like Florida? What what goes in that drawer? What else would go in there? Oh, oh my god. I'd oh, yeah, you mean the orange drawer? The orange, yeah. <laughs> yeah, orange because the cheese. Oh. <laughs> like Arizona, it's the meth drawer, right? <laughs> California, point, the though. avocado drawer. That's awesome. You know? Yeah, where whatever is their main, their main produce. They avocado. Say, they, uh, is it really? But they say happy cows come from California, and that's, I, I don't know about you guys, but as a Wisconsin native, that pissed me the fuck off when I saw those commercials. I'm like, no, they don't. I happy people like, it's come what, from California. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Sometimes. I think, I think it's up in the air nowadays, but that goes for anywhere, I think. Happy cows are supposed to taste better, right? Yeah. Kobe Wagyu. I don't know. I can tell you that they don't make better chocolate milk. Is that true? Yeah. You want an angry cow for your chocolate milk? Yeah. So it's got to be really, like, they have to, like, cold cattle prodded cold regularly. Cold cow. I think, I think you're onto something. I think you should start a marketing <laughs> Tommy's disgruntled milk or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 got, it's got that kickback. Pissed yeah. off ultra filtered <laughs> Sour milk for sour people. Dude, I was telling my kid. Like, because the first time, you know, he's about, uh, four years old when I told him this. I was like, yeah, see the brown spotted cow? That's where the chocolate milk comes from. Like, no, it doesn't. He's like, like, I'm some idiot. And he's telling me, like, oh, come on, dude. Like, I used to, I, I believe that shit till I was, like, eight. Like, he's like, Dad, I have the internet. Yeah. <laughs> I know how funny. to work it better than you, too. How old is he now? He's um he just turned six. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude, the kids. It's yeah, he's age. already way smarter than that's, me. That's a fun age. Oh yeah, he's getting into a lot of fun shit. Like my, mine's turning cool. fifteen, which is fifteen. Not a fun age. Yeah, <laughs> like, like my kid's cool, right? It's not. Yeah. It's not that it's he's fucking around or doing anything crazy, but just teenage boring. Angst. I mean, nothing excites him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could take him skydiving, and I think he'd be like, oh, mm, yeah, cool. <laughs> that's the way my daughter. My daughter's ten, and she's very much like. That she's over me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's, like, she's just over everything, no matter what. Yeah. But now I, I started dating this girl, and she's got a two and a half year old. Yeah, and that's where the shirt cocking we were talking about before is like, where he's. I've, I've really had a big influx of shirt cocking in my life now. Tyler's <laughs> <laughs> like, so, they pull it off the best. So jealous of that freedom too. You know. We'll uh, circle back here in a minute and explain to 
Anyone listening, what shirt cocking, what shirt cocking is. is. So hold on tight. <laughs> but, you know, that two and a half, like, that's, that's the best. Everything is amazing. Oh, like, yeah. I can play with my headphones for, like, 45 minutes. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Just enthralled. You're a fucking magician. Like, yeah, oh. <laughs> you, know, you feel so powerful. I'm sure he feels powerful, too. Yeah. Without the pants on. Right? Keys? Yeah, I, I wish I could do that. Oh, you, you got, got keys? Them. You got keys? Yeah. Dude, my kid, when, uh... It was funnier than hell. Uh, it was that phone wallet keys um, song by uh, Adam Sandler off of his newer oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. He wa- he was all like, "Can I? I want I want a phone." So we gave him one of our old phones. He wanted a wallet and keys, <laughs> and uh, so he was carrying that shit around with him for a while. It was just like he he thought that was the coolest thing. Like that's what may- makes you an adult. Phone wallet keys. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could get my kid into that. I can't get him to even carry a wallet. I'm like, all right, you're 15 now. Yeah, you can't, you can't, At least carry you a Velcro one. You can't, you can't, Track pants for the rest of your life. You're not fucking Burke Kreischer. <laughs> yeah, freaking, I, it's amazing as they go along, and it, like that's the thing. Uh, like with my daughter, like my son, like it's polar opposites of certain things. Like my daughter never really cared how messy she got, or like washing her hands even now, because washing her hands is a huge fucking thing now. Yeah, like, and it's I, you should have did it more, you know. But I'm talking to myself here. I should have done it more beforehand but i'm more conscious about it now um but i know like my daughter she's real quick about it and she'll still have soap on her hands and she's the older one and my son he'll sit there and like he's washed i'm like Dude, you're done it's like been like like a minute now like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's right. like oh my god but then he's yeah he's also he's a boy he gets into dirt and stuff and likes doing but it's just funny how how he uh certain things just bug the hell out of him like that and it's Totally polar opposite of my daughter, who could care less if she's got like spaghetti slopped all over the front yeah. of her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that'll just be like something of this younger kids now who are really like coming into cognizance now in this COVID time, Co- yeah. COVID time. Yeah, it's gonna be like that now because, like, I mean, I was a slob as a kid. <laughs> yeah. like, my 15 year old, you know, I walk in the, in the house, I'm like, mm, when's the last time you take a shower? And he's like, yeah, I can see like the wheels start turning. I'm like, no, just, just go. Just if go. you want to think about it, think about it. <laughs> yeah. it's been too long. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, uh, as, as the only one in the room without kids, it's nice to be in that boat. Where I have to think about the last time I took a shower. <laughs> nah, give a fuck what anybody else has to say. <laughs> give, it, give the old rightness test. Like, yeah. yeah, you know. So well, I don't smell me, so it can't be that bad. Oh, <laughs> Nothing's chafing yet. We're yeah. good. Yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> is it red? Is it red? Nope, it's not red. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll bring it back around. Um, What's your what's your absolute like you know the best cigar you think you've ever smoked? Oh man, that is tough. Smoked some good shit over the years. You know a cigar that I absolutely love. The one that really comes to mind is we were we went down to Tennessee recently. My girlfriend and I we just wanted to get out and go camping in the mountains. We actually had a show to go to, and uh, it got canceled because of COVID. And she's like, "You still want to go?" And I said, absolutely, I need to get out of here. So we went camping in the mountains, and the last night. I brought a cigar with me. It's from a maker called Arturo Puente, which is a very um, reputable, very good cigars from the Dominican. And this cigar is called an Anejo, which translates to old. And it's it's just a very old aged leaf, aged everything, wrapper, binder, filler. And that wrapper's aged in bourbon barrels. And it's a Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper, which is a wrapper that I love. 
they're fantastic cigars. And then once they're made, they're aged for another, you know, five years for their shit. Holy shit, what a process. Yeah. yeah. And we get them, and when, when stores get them, they're, they're very limited. They won't make more, you know, they're not going to put out anything that's not up to, up to snuff, top. you know. Yeah. So when we get boxes, they usually come in in November, um, end of November, around Christmas, that time we have them, and we get, you know, we have four boxes. That's all we get for the year. Wow. So when they come, I buy a bunch of them, and, and I've had a couple sitting around for a couple years. When they come in a box? Um, I think in the Fuentes... It's either 20 or 24, I want to say. Holy shit, really? You're looking at, I think we charge anywhere between, depending on the size, somewhere between like 1450 to 1750 okay. cigars. So it's a pricey box, but, yeah. you know, I, I always grab a handful of different sizes and I know I want to keep those because they age so well. The longer they go, that's one cigar that the longer it goes, the better it gets. Okay. So we were the last night camping and I, I lit one up and we're in these mountains in Tennessee and, uh, and this thunderstorm opened up above us, and it was loud because you you know you're at elevation and the thunder yeah. rolling through the hills and everything, and oh, yeah. so it was a super cool storm, and it was just lightning and thunder, and I was like, well, this is cool, no rain, and then you know, ten minutes into it, it starts pouring on me, and I was like, <laughs> oh man, I gotta pitch this cigar, I can't smoke it in the tent, I'm gonna kill my girlfriend. She, was like, <laughs> she, she could tell I was really enjoying the cigar. And she's like, no, no, just smoke it in the tent, just smoke it in the tent. So I did, and uh, yeah, both of our eyes were burning. There was because you can't open everything up, so it get wet, you know. But like I still smoked that cigar. I, I smoked it like all the way down. My eyes were probably just cheached out. <laughs> you know, there's no ventilation, but I loved like I kept thinking like, okay, I'm gonna take one more drink and I'm gonna throw it. And then I would take a take a pull on it and I'd be like, oh my god, that's delicious. <laughs> I can't, I just can't. It tastes like God's vagina. <laughs> so it was kind of an act of attrition or a you know, a trial, but but I still smoked it. It was it was very good. You have to try one when you come into the shop. They they should be sometime next month yeah make sure you grab one for me or set one aside um fuck i had a question and i can't remember i got one um so now i noticed one thing some people will really chew on the end of theirs mm -hmm. well like others will not so much sure like it's i think is uh i suppose that just comes all down to with anything it's your cigar you do whatever the fuck yeah. you want with it <laughs> but like it's different you know when you get like like I call them yard guards, like those cheaper cigars that you're just outside doing yard work or doing something that you're not really thinking about the cigar, but you want to have a cigar. So you just buy something that's five, six bucks and you stick it in your mouth and usually you're doing stuff with your hands. Like I've rode the bike with cigars in my mouth before, you know? Yeah. And like, if it's just sitting in your mouth and you got to clench it in your teeth or yeah. it's going to flying. So yep. yeah, those get a little chewed up, a little, yeah. a little rustic, but, um, yeah, everyone's kind of got their own. Their I put mine between my teeth so I can puff on it a couple of times. Yeah. Usually switch hands. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you just, yeah, you, oh, you know, I'm working at the shop, I'm doing stuff, I'm helping people get cigars or pricing cigars or cleaning ashtrays or reading a book or whatever, I'll just sit with, with it between my teeth. You know, you know, Andrew, Yeah. every time that kid smokes a cigar, it's it's just completely masticated and like, that's yeah. the way cigar. It doesn't matter what we're doing, he's, I don't know why, he's just a chewer. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way my partner was too, like he, uh, at work, uh, work. Um, he, he would just like, like, it was always in his mouth, always chewing on it. And, like, by the time that thing was down to, like, barely anything, you could just see the end of it was just oh, yeah. gnawed up. Like, it's, like, they're <laughs> I, I know guys falling apart. Would, and I mean, you see them smoking their cigars, and they're slobbering all over it. Yeah. And, you know, and there's guys um, who've come into my shop, and they actually will cut their cigar, and before they light it, they stick their tongue on the end of the cigar because they're absolutely convinced that, depending on how the tobacco tastes on their tongue, they'll know if they like the cigar or not. <laughs> I I don't know about that, but... Teach their own. Like I said, once they once you buy it, it's yours. I don't care. Yeah, what you do with but, it. like <laughs> licking a stick of butter to see if you like melted butter. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
This is a good year. Remember that weird kid in the neighborhood who would eat, like, fucking just butter? Did you have that? No. I've talked to a couple people that have, like, met people who just, like, I, we had this one. Dude, was, uh, I, I used younger... to cook for people, and they'd ask for just uh, melted butter, and they'd eat, I mean, they'd eat butter. While yeah. They, while they were waiting for me to cook their food at the table. <sighs> I'm not even lying. It, oh, yeah, it was a bit excessive. <laughs> it's amazing, though, once you get into cooking, like, once you learn more about cooking, I know you know a lot more about cooking than I do, but, like, I've listened to uh, Anthony Bourdain talk about it, you know, saying pretty much that, like, oh, why our food tastes amazing is because we cook it in so much butter. Like, if you <laughs> knew how much butter we cook this in, you probably wouldn't eat it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. French food especially, Oh, man. yeah. Well, and that's the amazing. thing. That's uh, lard, too. Um, that... That's the big thing. Uh, talking about another local product here, we have um, Dairy Queen and Nina that has the, was it Archie's Popcorn? Yeah. Um, and that's like, I think that one, and the other Nina location sells it too now. Those are the only two locations that sell that kind of popcorn though. Um, and it used to just be the one, the smaller one, not the not the one owned by Brazers. But um, they, from what I hear, uh, one of the Brazers ingredients... The no, the, uh, it's that's yeah, right. Just sure. <laughs> I think you said braziers. Braziers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, that that popcorn. Uh, I, I, there's people who, like, whenever I've told them about it, like that are from out of town or something, they they like seriously have like, oh, thank you for telling me about this, and like every time they'll come to visit or anything, we'll make sure they stop at and get popcorn, um, just to get lard. Their, is that lard? Popcorn. Yep. That um. So it sounds like uh, lard is one of the the main reasons why I I heard something too so about makes tamales uh, so good. Yeah. Yep. Um. There. Uh. It was lard, but then it was also uh. Come on, coconut oil. Yep. As well. Sure. So they used, so it's just weird because coconut oil is used normally to get away from fat, yeah. but then you're throwing lard, which is just to get like away from saturated fat. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't prescribe to any of that, man. Fat yeah. is what you want. I know guys who like only want to eat New York strips or only want to eat, you know, and they get yeah. all the fat off their steak before they cook it, and I'm like, you just that's a cardinal sin. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, and then they, they and then they finish it out at a nice, thick, well done. That's why. Well, you know, like um, <laughs> everyone's always like, well, it doesn't taste like grandma made it. Well, what, what did your grandma cook with? Yeah. What was she cooking? Back in the fucking depression, you know why they Crisco was cooked you, in lard. You know why they call it? You know why they use the analogy? It's like chewing on shoe leather. Because back in the Great Depression, they used to actually cook fucking shoe leather. Yeah. To boil it and serve it for food. And just the, really, yeah. Well, and just the lesser cuts of meat that the and that's all you could get. Yeah, that's yeah. Some of my favorite food, man. When you go and get like into you know Mexican food or or you know just the food. I just had five cabezas of tacos. These, yeah, and these people <laughs> have learned over hundreds of years how to make a tongue fucking delicious. Yeah, you know, like that. Yeah. I'm all about it. The the that brains. Is the, that is the best. That <laughs> brains. Is the, Monkey the brains. Stuff. I know. No cow brains. Oh. And people get so weird about that too. Yeah. Like, tongue I was eating tongue tacos at work the other day, and the guys were like, "What'd you get?" And I got the tongue tacos, and they're like, "Oh, so I'm like, you eat ass cheeks, <laughs> just another muscle." Boy. Yeah, I know it's a cultural shock or whatever, but put it in your mouth and shut up. And because it'll... <laughs> it's in a taco, not in a hot dog bun. Well, oh yeah, yeah right. <laughs> yeah, you're eating pig assholes. You're okay with that, but you won't eat. Nah. So I like, don't know what they're missing. Speaking of pigs, what got me, um, which is a cultural kind of shock thing to me, was. Uh, but it was uh, at Camp Onaway, we, we get a roast pig, and we'll put the head out. 
of yep. the roast pig. Um, dude, that's the best part. Oh, dude, the cheek meat. Oh my god! Oh, and I had man. never, I had never picked that. I never thought about this till I was older. When I was a kid, it kind that's of creeped me out seeing a pig head sitting yeah. on a table. And so I would, I just kind of ignore it and then go and get my, you know, sandwich, my pulled pork, whatever, make a sandwich. And they always had different barbecue sauces to put on there and stuff. But um, when I when I was older, um, we had the uh, British kids came over for like a foreign exchange kind of student thing, and they knew, um, and they knew what was up. Yeah. And they were like all over that pig head, and I'm like, "What are you guys doing?" They're like, oh, and then like the, the pig ear is a delicacy. Oh, yeah. Pig ear, like what the hell? Like I would have never feet, known bro. this. Oh, man, have you like, uh, like pig roast and eating like the the chicharrones, the 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 fried up <laughs> pig skin that comes off of that thing. It's like a pork rind, but it's fresh and it's yeah. hot. Oh my God! Don't they call it crackling? Yeah, crackling. I, I really, I really okay, I've heard that. Doesn't listen to this because I'm gonna gross her out. Dude, that's something I make sure to get when every time I go to the Mexican food store, the yeah. grocery store. Well, like menudo too, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, tripas. Uh, I've had some bad experiences. I've had some good experiences. <laughs> <laughs> that's the same. Oh my God! The first time I ate menudo, I was I was doing roofing in my when we were in college together, and. Uh, you know, there's some Mexican guys in the crew that love these guys. They're just the happiest, <laughs> coolest guys ever. And uh, I got to be friends with one, Nicholas, and, and I asked him about Menudo. And um, I'm like, is it, you know, is it really that good? I know people say they love it. And he's like, oh, my wife makes the best Menudo you've ever had in your life. I'll ever make it for you. And this is on a Monday. He's like, we well, got to come Friday because it takes that long to make. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you don't have to make your wife do that. He's like, no, 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 no. They no. make it in like now 80 gallon it. bins. Yeah, because you have to keep washing that tripe up. Yeah. Keep washing the intestines out, yep. you know, and, and then change the water and then wash it again and then change the water and wash it again. And so I'm like, oh, this is going to be, I was really looking forward to it. So I show up, you know, that Friday night with a case of beer and, and my kid and, and walk in and, and just walking up to the house, my my perspective changed a lot. And I was like, oh, this, is, this isn't going to be a great experience. I can smell it. I mean, inside of a pig's asshole. And like, he opened the door and that, that smell hit me and oh, oh, boys. He gave me a big bowl too. And I'm, I'm dumping peppers in there and whatever you can. All the, you all the onions and everything. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I took that first bite and it was big chunks. Yeah. It was big chunks. Oh, was that's the best. Well. I took oh, that, it was not? I took that first bite and it was like, it was like biting in like a raw ear i mean it was just crunch uh, and like doesn't matter how long you chew it you'll never it just you'll, never, it'll never change you can <laughs> buy large chunks of wa- uh pre-washed <clears throat> at the mexican grocery store oh yeah yeah i have to give it another try because maybe i just had a bad experience that one time but i mean i was green after i ate that bowl of meat, so I, really, <laughs> I, I ate the whole thing you know i politely declined seconds and i drank about eight heinekens after that otherwise pasole is a good substitute because it's made with cooked pork what is that's another soup and a yeah. red sauce kind of thing? Uh yeah. It's yeah, and hominy but since and then, corn, I've, I've yeah, had, hominy and... I've had tripe in pho from Vietnamese restaurants. I've had tripe in other Mexican dishes and I really liked it. Like it's got a really nice beef yeah. flavor and oh, yeah. so like I said, I gotta I gotta give it another shot. We'll get you set up with some sometime. Right. Oh yeah, you probably know the places, huh? I do. Yeah, I he's do. got the inn. <laughs> the inn. <laughs> What do we have for time? Um, we're uh, at hour oh five. Nice. Yeah, I know. I was gonna, I was gonna mention when we hit the hour mark, but we were going pretty good. So I was just like, you good? Right. You got a piss? I'm good. How about you? I'm good. You got a piss? Actually, um, I could piss. I could piss. We'll take. You don't have to pause it. Just let it run. Just let it run. Yeah. All right. We'll let it run. You can keep talking. Okay. You can cut it out or whatever. Oh, I'm gonna go pee, guys. I like it. It's getting like down that. there. Yeah. I thought you'd like that one. Yep. I definitely enjoyed this all the way through. Well, speaking of which, so I was talking about, you know, 
these long-winded reviews that you find. I mean, you can go on YouTube and these guys do like 15-minute reviews where they talk, oh, shit. talk about the first third of the cigar and the second third of the cigar and the third third of the cigar and the cold draw and they go into all those, <laughs> you know, crazy, crazy yeah. tasting notes. So you're smoking the same cigar watching it and going like, no, no I, don't, I don't taste that, man. Old Bay seasoning? What the fuck are you talking about? So, I don't know. It's just a for fun yesterday or just something to do. I, I made a Facebook page. Yeah. Um, that you saw that, right? Yeah. I was like, I just want like a short review. I want to go somewhere where there's like an archive of just short reviews. This is what mm-hmm. I got out of it. This is what I give it. You know, I don't, I haven't really found that anywhere. So if anyone wants to check that out. Well, I think if you start, if you start giving it some categories that like beginners can go to and use as a reference. What do you think? I'm not really good at the technical side of things so i didn't know really yeah i think that'd be cool i think it's a a good resource make the group public then people can check that out on facebook yeah and then that way you know you can recommend let's say give it a few classifications what you think and then you know classifications in terms of the size the type of cigar it is yeah length uh robust robustness Mm -hmm. um you know, uh, robustivity is actually, is it no. <laughs> <laughs> robust activity? <laughs> uh, yeah. Length. Uh, what else? I mean, construction, you know, like, we yeah. And, you, and give it like a, a, a beginner intermediate, mm-hmm. you know, give it one of those ratings. Sure. Sure. But like I said, I think that's a good resource for people like Ross, who maybe if he wants to go have one one day, isn't sure what instead of being like i don't know i don't know what i'm looking for you know he can be like oh i saw this kind of piqued my interest you know i think if you if you stick with the the flavor profiles and stuff like that and a huge part of my job at the cigar store is people coming in um and a a lot of people you know you got the old men who know what they smoke and they know what they want and they're just going to come in and grab what they want or tell you what they want i go grab it for them but a lot of people really do want to know you know, what's up and what's the difference and why is this cigar $26? Why is this cigar $26? Right, right. What, you know, I'm not that into cigars, I but I, I've smoked a couple and yeah, I that's where I mean, what I liked. Or I before you I started. I just want to kind of make a database for people to maybe look at and go, oh, that sounds interesting. Right. You know, I, I, I know you looked at that one I, I reviewed yesterday. Yeah, and I think before you good. started in, enlightening me on it, I was definitely one of those like, oh, I don't hate it. I definitely will smoke one from time to time. I don't know shit about it, you know, and like I said, I was finding myself picking them on based on what looks cool. Yeah. You know, and then that definitely didn't work out for me as far as my, my, uh, preferences, you right. know. And, and for sure, that's where I started too, you know, just, um, I guess I'll try this one. And luckily one of the first ones I tried was an Arturo Fuente Hemingway, the Cameroon rapper, like what, what we're smoking now. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I was smoking that thing with Andrew and we just went there because we were looking for something to do. It was one of our birthdays. I don't remember. We were going to drink whiskey and smoke cigars. Why not? Something to do. And we, yeah. just, we both grabbed one of those cigars. I'm like, man, do I really want to spend $11 on a cigar? <laughs> All right, fuck it. It's my birthday. I'll buy one. You know, so we bought a couple and we smoked it. And there was like a like a light bulb moment where I was smoking that cigar. And I was like, I'm really enjoying this. This is this is. Is that what started it for this you? Is really tasty. Like I said, I was smoking, you know, um, infused cigars from the gas station or something. I'm going yeah. camping with the boys. I'll, I'll grab a couple of these cigars yeah. and all oh, this is all right. You know, this is kind of fun, but it's not something that I wake up the next day and like, Oh, I wish I smoked five more of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that was like the moment that I was like, Oh wow, 
this is this is really something else i'm i actually like this and then i started you know but then i did the same thing just go in and i don't want to look like a like, <laughs> complete you know, green yeah completely green so i just go in and i oh uh, well this one looks like it's got a cool band on it you know and i like that thing and i'm like oh god i'm gonna be green by the time i yeah, <laughs> yeah, stop yeah. smoking this thing so that is rich yeah. <laughs> rich mahogany you have trouble there ross yeah i was just gonna say speaking to, of green um, do it right. yeah here let's see this ross thing. is over there trying to use a book of matches to relight his cigar it was it wasn't working how do you like it um, I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, I like it so much, I let it go. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but I was like, one. I, I was, I was puffing on it pretty good before I went out and just left, um, just to go to the bathroom there. Why didn't uh, you with you? I, I should have. I don't know why I didn't. Oh, I wasn't running inside. I suppose, and I didn't want my. Dude, are you trying? To, are here. you trying to give up the peer pressure here? No, you don't really like it, do you? No, I like it. Um, it, it's uh. Does it scare you? No. I, I was a little intimidated at first, <laughs> but um, now that I've been puffing on it, you definitely you catch a little bit of a buzz off of it. Oh, yeah. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> think about it. Some of these cigars, and this is a Robusto, which means it's five inches long. It's about a 50 ring gauge. And by ring gauge, we're talking um, millimeters. So 64 ring gauge is an inch. Okay. You know, so you think about that in circumference. This is a 50, very popular size. It usually take you, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to smoke this. Yeah. Some cigars get up to like eight by 80. They make some really ridiculous size <laughs> that'll take you four hours to smoke and you're like i'm gonna die if i smoke that thing but it's like a movie cigar like a gag cigar yeah right <laughs> oh i know rosie at the shop gave me an eight by 80 and it literally looks like i could use it as a dildo i mean it's, <laughs> it's, it's just been sitting in my humidor and like, like every, time I open, yeah, every time i open it up this thing's just staring at me and i'm like one of these days i'm gonna take you all the way <laughs> but, but another good thing to know about cigars too for a, a new smoker you know like you as some cigars like you said you grab that cigar you don't know what you're doing and you end up grabbing something that's way too strong way too much nicotine and if it's a huge cigar like that, an eight by eighty cigar that probably has two packs of cigarettes worth of tobacco in there. Yeah. You know? And even though you're not inhaling it, you're still you know through your through your mouth you're getting a lot yeah. of nicotine yeah. in your system. So if you ever you know a lot of people get sick on cigars, and that's something that turns people off to cigars because they got sick once. It's a terrible feeling. That's exactly want, what I. Yeah, <laughs> that's I never, why I've been. Uh, like, I never do want to smoke a cigar again. That makes me feel <laughs> terrible. But if you do get that, you get a cigar and you start getting that sickness um the effect that nicotine has on your brain is to it, it kind of fools your brain into thinking that your blood sugar is low yeah and that's why you start feeling that it's almost a it's almost like a diabetic you know when you're when your insulin is low you yeah crash makes you think that your blood sugar is low it's not but that's how it feels sure. so if you take sugar you can take a packet of sugar you can take uh candy something like that stick it under your tongue it almost immediately will lessen that feeling yeah because then your brain goes oh no we're good on oh, sugar, really? we're good on sugar. Or, or what you're pairing your cigar with um beer yeah well which is what which I... is fine but if you're worried about a cigar that's maybe going to be a little strong or something like that or you're starting to get a little queasy off it you know grab a root beer or something something with sugar something with sugar yeah. coke or something yeah that'll, that'll lessen that effect too well that's good to know yeah very good i know uh like i say i I can feel like um, not a complete numbness of the mouth, but I can t definitely tell that my mouth feels a little just kind of number tingly, it's tingly. Right, it's no, got a tingle. Let's, let's try a little experiment here, Ross. That's what. So. Oh, <laughs> give me like that. So, there's something called retrohaling cigars when you're tasting cigars, um, and retrohaling means that you're blowing the smoke out through your nose. Yeah, and you blow all the smoke out of your nose, 
Now it's kind of hard to do. Like with a cigar, it's different because you're inhaling the whole thing. But what you want to do? Is I was take, doing that before. Just take a pull on your cigar, and lay it, let out you know like eighty percent of that smoke out of your mouth. Yeah. And then just that twenty percent, try and get it to go through your nose, and you taste. Because your olfactory sense makes up a lot of your sense of taste. Yeah. It actually changes the taste of the taste of the cigar. You can actually pick up more flavors that way. Yeah, it gets a little bit stronger. Some people can't do it. Some people never do it. There's a guy at the shop who's been working there for years and years, and he has never retrohaled in his life. And some people, like, he physically can't make himself do it. And some people do it, and they just die because it is too powerful for them. Yeah, but it but does, it stings I, a little bit. I was like I just did it out of my nose, and it yeah, definitely, yeah, just there, a little bit. There's some cigars, though, that I smell. I didn't know it was called that. I've done that for yeah. a while, just naturally. And do you taste the difference? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... There are some cigars that I smoke that, like, I mean, when you're when you're doing it, you don't want to do it all the time because again, you'll you'll blow out your your palate, yeah. you'll blow out your nose. Um, there are some cigars I've had that that's another great sign of a good cigar is that I like every third or fourth pull, I'm retrohaling on it because it just tastes so good. I sure, sure, yeah. sure. Doing it, you know. I think I, I didn't that's good to know. exhale eighty. I think I exhaled about thirty, and then, and then did it because <laughs> <laughs> there was quite a bit of smoke that came out of my nose. Just There's now more. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I just did it, and you know, I'm at this point in the cigar. Usually, the cigar gets a little stronger towards the end, like this. You're building yeah. up that tar. You're building up that. But um, I just did it, and I definitely get more pepper through the nose. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. You definitely get that pepper sting more. Mm -hmm. Stings the nostrils. You know, stings. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to get you on and talk about it, too, is like, uh, you know, the cigar shop is the only one around in the area yeah. like that. You know, it's, it's a local business, locally owned, mm -hmm. locally operated. Guy. Yeah. He appreciates so, your business. And, and, and it's kind of unique in that aspect. And, you know, like we mentioned before, you guys... Uh, Pre-COVID had hookah, you know, and that was, I mean, every time I went in there on like a weekend to grab a pack of smokes or something after work, I saw people smoking that thing all the time. Oh, yeah. And a so, lot more young kids just coming in and getting drunk and, oh, what's this, you know, and come in and grab a cigar. And so, yeah, business was, was quite a bit more, especially at night. It's been slow lately. Sure. We still get people coming in during the day. Um, days have been pretty good, but. But yeah, it definitely slowed down at night. We're, we're doing all right. Like Bob's, Bob's doing okay. He's keeping the doors open for sure. Um. But this is great to have a platform to kind of promote the place. Maybe yeah, definitely. Interested in this, that would, I'd, I'd be so stoked if someone came in and said, hey, I, I heard agree. you talking on this podcast, and I don't think you're a complete imbecile. So <laughs> that would really, yeah. really make my day. And that's the best part of working there. It's possible, I'm, man. I think people have said that to me and Ross, and yeah. it's a change of pace for us. So yeah, we're still doing it. <laughs> yeah, right. I get it. I get it. I feel powerful. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, uh, you know, segue into... Another thing, since you're from the area, grew up with us, you know. I uh, survived it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We all, all made it through. We're here almost, somehow. Most of us. <laughs> don't wonder how, but here we are. Yeah. Um, but you also you you also still do play music. You played music for quite some time. Uh, pretty pretty well versed musician. Poet. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Do you want to you want to talk about that? The fact that you've created uh an art or form of art in the area yeah i guess it's an art podcast huh Which yeah I guess, I guess there's, there's an art to cigars so. i was <laughs> yeah no definitely there is definitely yeah, an art to cigars but but i never created a cigar so yeah I guess, uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah musically i guess that's always been my my biggest outlet um i started on guitar you know when i was <coughs> I don't know, 14 15 years old something like that i'm still playing so 20 years later i'm 
I'm still playing the guitar and I still love it. Uh, mostly what I'm doing now is just sitting in my house writing complicated metal riffs on a and not putting them to use. Yeah, <laughs> not putting them to use at all. <laughs> just just practicing them. Just something, <clears throat> something to keep my chops up. And I, I've really been enjoying it though because I dropped off. I was in a band in my 20s, you know, um, Auto de Fe. We did the very heavy metal, very like Lamb of God. Um, in flames influenced kind of stuff yeah, yeah. and I, I loved it but when i went to that band i switched we couldn't find a drummer that could play that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and so i switched from guitar with two great guitar players andrew and chris who i'd still am best friends with mm -hmm. um so we had those two we didn't need three guitar players those two were better than me so i was like well odd man out i guess i'll learn <laughs> the drums you know so i switched to drums and i played drums all through my 20s and, and absolutely loved it um how did you how did you, did you switch and pick it up like it was just natural to you to yeah, learn I, how I just, like how to technically drum like that. Like he's super. he's quite technical too. Yeah. I remember dude when you sat down because we you came over and jammed with us when we were in Intercorps, mm. um, and uh, that was we were looking for another That's guitarist, right. and uh, and I could tell you were bored with it because you, you were just kind of sitting there playing the chords because it was very <laughs> simple three chord punk music. Yeah, like well, it was that. it was okay. fun, but like um, it was I just remember. Uh, um jordan was getting there too he was getting bored with it yeah and he was starting to do more technical stuff too and wanted to kind of get back into going, doing heavier metal and was pushing me as a drummer to learn double bass and like get better with that stuff and i i'm actually thankful because of that because i did push myself and i was playing drums every day i, I was starting to get good yeah. and then you fucking sat down and <laughs> and, and, and i'm because like you're just ripping it up on guitar before you sit down and you just i'm like oh geez all right well this is what i gotta <laughs> get better you know well and there's plenty of drummers that i looked at but i was like oh my god i suck i can't even yep did oh, you just pick it up like, naturally I, I went pretty hard because i really you know, we started writing those songs, and I knew what I wanted to play. Yeah. You know, because I'm listening to that Chris Adler. I'm listening yeah, to the right. Chimera. I'm listening to those yeah. drummers, and I know like that's Insane. what I want my beat to do. So yeah. I had a goal to, like, shoot for. And um, so that's really what I, I – I'd sit down for hours every day and start working on that stuff. And I was, you know, biking 12 miles a day and, like, trying to really yeah. get my cardio up there to be able to play those songs. Cause that sure, was, yeah. That was some of the hardest stuff. Cause, I mean, you remember all of the famous songs, my yeah, there's a lot, a lot of complexity to what we thought we were doing writing 12 minute songs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I really like all of this song, but boys, my legs hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's by the end of it, I'm like just dying. Like, oh my God, can we get a break soon? 24 songs are in this set. Why are they all 14 minutes long? But, um, but yeah, that was pretty much just it. I just, I knew what I wanted to do. And I, I could, I've always been the kind of writer that, um, I'm not really one to like sit down and just start playing and then I hear something that I played and I go, oh, okay, well, I like that. Maybe I'll move to the next thing. I'm more the writer, much more cerebral where I would go, um, you know, I'd be at work all day and I would write a song in my head and I sure. knew what I wanted that song to sound like. Yeah, so mm -hmm. if you were playing it, you're like, that doesn't sound like I wanted right. to. Right, I, I know what I, I know what I'm looking for and then I would come back to the guys, you know, that night we'd get together to practice and I'd go, okay, well, I figured out the part after that, after that chorus, we're going to go to this other riff. This is what I want the riff to be and, and having the ability to play guitar was really helpful too because i could show the guys what i want that riff to be right you know and then okay here's here's the bare bones of it and i'll make it your own and they'd always come up with something way cooler than i had which was great but then i knew <laughs> what that drum part was and i'd sit down and I'd go oh my god that's really hard to do i can't play i can't play quads over you know <laughs> over this entire core well i guess i just keep trying you know and it's weird with drums right like you're you're a drummer ross 
you ever get to that wall where you're like, I know what I want to play, but it's just but not But I can't. Happening. Yeah, it's my body happening. is not, not cooperating. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, one it time, does. it does happen. Yeah. And, and you're like, yes! And you're like, oh, that's what it feels like. Yeah. You know what it feels like. Then yep. you can kind of then you, yep. that thing. And you push that. That, that uh, double bass, definitely for me. I mean, uh, I remember first getting into it, and it was, I was a chubby little kid, man. Like, I... I I was not <laughs> built for playing yeah. freaking heavy metal drums, <laughs> and like, but I, I was getting pushed kind of, and I that was actually the most weight I had lost um, during that time, because uh, I like I say I was running two thirty two forty in high school, and I dropped down to under two hundred, and wow. uh, yeah, wow. yep, I lost a lot of weight, and um, freaking. Now I'm at like 210, I think. So I, I need to get back down, but whatever. And all you're That's, doing is fapping. All I'm doing is fapping. That's all. I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's right arm. It's, 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 it does. Say something. It's a definition. Dude, I got a, I got a coworker whose initials are FAP, his son. Oh, and no. uh so he has so too. so he got a big old tattoo oh, no. on his arm that says fap yeah just fap <laughs> like it's yeah, along the whole like, like, definitely like that period yeah it was like the fittest i've ever been. <laughs> other than the fact that i was like giving myself alcohol poisoning every night but uh that's you know, part of the uh, diet uh, right yeah yeah i i i was young i remember flanagan's was a daily stop and uh I never actually, I still have never seen the inside of Flanagan's because oh, really? I, I was underage. I was, <laughs> for us, it was like, you know, every show we played, you know, you're playing metal, you're not playing cover, so they're not paying you anything. They're like, well, yeah, yeah. we'll give you 150 bucks and all the beer you can drink. And we're like, all right, yeah, we're, we're going to get yeah. our money out of you. Yeah. We, we absolutely Drink. did. Yep. <laughs> Same with uh, this com- comedy. A lot of times they'll do that. You don't, you get paid minimally. Um, oh, but, yeah. oh, oh, well, you're getting, exposed. you're getting, yeah, you're getting exposure. That's the yeah, yeah. yeah, which you're getting, whatever. You're getting a bar full of people that I'm bringing here. You fucking asshole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So, how long did you play the drums for? So that was um, probably seven years. Yeah, I think I, I really did drums, and I'd love to get back into it, but drums are so damn expensive and they're so loud. Yeah, you had a pretty complex set. How many oh pieces did you have? I had a. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't Dan Carrier. I wasn't Neil Peart or anything, but. <laughs> But yeah, I had a lot of stuff going on with the double bass. I had, I think, four toms, your snare. Um, I was playing two hi-hats at one time, one, one on each side, a big really? china, a uh, big ride, gotta three have a big crashes, ride. splash in there. You got to have a cowbell. Got to have a cowbell. <laughs> cowbell's important. Yeah. Um, Wood blocks and stuff, too. Oh, yeah. You Cla- can really, if you want to, you can get into it. You can surround yourself with everything yeah, you under can, the chimes. But you know what I found, and what really impresses me, like, there's this, um, this drummer, Luke Holland, if you ever heard of him. He plays with this amazing guitar player, Jason Richardson, just some of the most technical, clean guitar playing I've ever seen. And the drumming is very technical and very clean, too. But it really blows me away when I see, as I get older, my musical test, taste is leaning this way, that I see, like, a drummer play a three-piece kit, yep. a five-piece yeah, kit, dude. and just do everything I did and more. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely a shame. And do that on a little kit like that. You know who really impresses me is uh, um, Travis Barker. Yeah. Um, and he, oh, he's all, like, he's into everything mm-hmm. everything and it's that, kind of cool because very you kind of see elements of jazz kind of like coming to surface again, yeah coming to light again and just like, influences like, of that, like, you like know? i said not just in drumming but in music in general like i obviously i've been a metalhead since i was a kid i still love metal i still love crazy technical wild mm-hmm. brutal shit but i also really love i've been getting really into like western music like this dude coulter wall and okay. just that man sitting down with one guitar and his voice 
and that's it. Mm-hmm. And he writes a song that's, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, refrain, chorus. That's the end of the song. It's a very simple songwriting, very simple yeah. format. But that song is just as good to me as listening to a Tool song off the of Right, the heart, it's, it's the like, passion. Yeah, it doesn't, you know. There's a lot of emotion that channels through. And it's just which, so refined. And that's, it's, I mean, you see, like, that's how blues started. You know, before the blues had a band, it was just some dude in a four or five string guitar, you know, playing in a dust bowl. Yeah. Some fucking some, shack out and, in the middle you, of nowhere. You, you know, it's all roll. subjective, obviously, but you can't say that a Yes song is better than a Robert Johnson song because Yes played more notes. Right. You know? Because they have more people. <laughs> right. I mean, he's playing. He might have only played four chords in that whole song, but every one of those fucking chords hits like and it yeah. like nothing. Defined else. a specific genre of music, you know. Yeah. Like it became a historical four notes versus like you know yeah like you said like yeah you played 130 different fucking sure. variations. And there's a time and a place for for all those different styles and different music, and I and I love them all, other than like popular country, but right. Um, yeah, that's. Well, what amazes me, I, I've gotten into bluegrass the older I get. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's what's cool Cool is, like, was when I was younger, uh, I was always punk, and then I got into metal. Um, I lived with a bunch of metalheads, so it was just constant exposure. Yeah, osmosis. Osmosis. <laughs> Which is funny, because that's how you and I started when we first met. Was through punk. Yeah, the local punk, punk scene. scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good scene, man. That was yeah. cool. Like, it was thriving at that time. And uh, it was so cool to see people and bands and... You had like a couple drummers that played in a bunch of the different yeah, bands. Yeah, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> always a shortage of drummers. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which horror can we get for this project? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that was that was so fun. I still remember going uh, to Tom's here in Nina, and uh, I don't think you were playing there, but you were there. Tom's. Uh, Tom's. Uh, Tom's Garage. Driving. Oh, okay. Tom's yeah, yeah. I remember awesome. the Tom's Driving show. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That was uh, the hamburgers when the hamburgers first yep. came around. That was uh, Out Amongst Thieves. Yeah, who, that, uh, yeah. The, that, they, they were super young in the yeah. scene. They were like 14, 15. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then he had um, Social Classics. They were. They and were Amos, was, yeah, and Amos was, was Amos. in our band. He played drums for us. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I just oh, found we, my... we had a good punk. Uh punk bands at like Menasha High when we were going there. I don't know. Maybe you might have been a little I I graduated class oh six. Like, Blue struck youth and we had I mean there are a couple like pretty popular. I mean they're yeah. actually going out and playing shows. They were getting on the warp tour. They're they're actually doing huh, stuff. The fallback plan. Yeah, that I was mean, my very, era. Was, <laughs> it was like that age of Blink one eighty two. Yeah. Know, that that was the big very, thing at that time. Definitely like that fell in that vein. What yeah. was, um, fall, uh what was that band? They did the cover of the Don Henley song Boys of Summer. Uh, Yellow card? No wasn't yellow card. Um, uh, I'm going to look it up here in a second. But they, they ended up picking up Fallback Plan, uh, which, oh. like I said, that was my era of punkers, yeah, was, which is slightly before both. We were like in the same battle of the bands as those guys. Oh, okay. That's something I think should come back around. I haven't seen around here in a while is the Battle a of the Bands. The Battle of the Bands is yeah. shit, man. Yep. I, I remember going to Battle of the Bands. It was so fun. I've seen... Uh, I. It was funny because when I got into... Uh, um, I was doing uh, um, heat transfer vinyl for printing t-shirts, sure. which the is Ataris. totally different. The Ataris. Are yeah, they, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Fallback Plan got on with the Ataris and started touring with those guys and playing. Yeah. I remember that. Was, was that Brian Mulder's band? He was playing uh, Trevor Matthias. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I think Muller was in it for a little bit. And, uh, Belknap. 
Joe, Jake, mm-hmm. one of them. Jake, one of the Belknap boys. Yeah. Period Belknap. <laughs> he goes by now. Is... That's, uh, he's a tattoo artist, isn't he? No, that's that's his brother. That's his brother? I yeah. just got a tattoo from him. Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter tattoo, actually. Oh, what's his name? It's uh, um, Belknap. I Joe... thought it was... Jake, I thought it was Jake. Jake, Jake, Jake. Yeah, yeah, Jake. Joe's the one. Yeah, so Joe was involved. When you got your plan. Harry Potter tattoo, yeah, like did you? Was he able able to capture that big hog? That you're yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> did he really? That's have... that's the one. Um, what he's referring to is uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Actually, um, <laughs> his pose. He posed. He posed nude. Um, or he. It was. It was actually for a production he was in where the cast was completely nude. But there is a picture of him standing next to a white horse, completely he naked. He wasn't shirt cocking. No, he wasn't shirt cocking. He was, it wasn't it awkward. <laughs> Pull it up. Yeah. Well, maybe we should get into what shirt cocking is now. Finish your story. But yeah, anyway, you went so far out from the pier, you got to fucking <laughs> oh, loop it back. Oh, jeez. Um, which one? The one I was doing way before. When you jumped. I think back you were or? talking about Harry Potter's Hogwarts. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Harry Potter's Hog. So um yeah. So Daniel Radcliffe's. There's a picture of him out there. Um. Very, he said he's got a nice. Penis. He's got a nice penis, and um, I I I remember the topic came up with a group of friends, and they were, uh, one was very like adamantly like, no, why would you even say that? It's like you can acknowledge that a man's got a nice looking cock like, without like, like being attracted. Like, that's a good looking. That's a good looking cock. Like I, it should be something that I think in in our time and age that it should be totally totally accept most of my friends and see my penis that's what yeah there was a whole thing we had going on when uh that, that he's when, like yeah, <laughs> that's what, yeah i don't remember like, if i saw yours I, I i there was i was pretty messed up most of the time there but um oh, i do yeah and i do remember I mean, uh there's been some repression as well <laughs> I, was, I was sober for most of it, <laughs> oh, for i just sure. know Sorry, that definitely. it was quite popular at that time there was the movie waiting oh yeah and in the movie waiting there was the penis showing game and it, like no, it was the uh, balls was showing the balls game. yeah well, i mean it was both well, it was yeah, yeah there, I mean, the penis was showing. Yeah, yep. really it was a lot. Could, the sky was the limit. I still remember. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, the, and the balls was mostly what we did. The brain. You just hang. You yeah. just zip your your your, uh, your zipper down and just hang, like. So so you'd look over and be like, ah, his balls are hanging out. You know that happened a lot, a lot. Brain and uh, I'll tell you what, Lon was one that freaking was a master at it. You'd be sitting there talking to him, looking at him, and all of a sudden he just kind of looked down and looked back at you, and you'd look down oh, instinctively, yeah. and he was like, damn it, <laughs> like, near near on, yeah, like, like he just slickly would just do it. Uh, I always got Mr. Peanut tattooed on it. So yeah, yeah, he does, yeah. He, does. he does, yes, yeah. he does. It's, <laughs> he'll show you too. Can <laughs> call Lon right now? Skype Lon because I need him, to hear this story. Ask him for a I picture. So many questions. Oh man. Yeah. No. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember sitting there. Uh, I it enough. Jordan first. Monocle um, and all. Why's everything got to be about you? Right. <laughs> I still remember sitting in the basement over at that place though, and uh, Jordan first was uh, running around upstairs. Um, I, he had just come home from work, so I, I got all ready, pulled my pants down. I was gonna give him the goat. So I, I, and that the goat is you tuck, you tuck everything back, mm-hmm. and, the lambs. And, yep, and, yeah, <laughs> and and you and and you pinch your legs. Yeah, basically, it sounds the lambs, but you're seeing the backside of it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, I'm sitting there waiting, and I'm like, "What the fuck's taking him so long?" You know, like uh, all of a sudden, I hear him coming down, and he's talking to uh, a girl. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I start pulling my pants up. And, and they come around the corner. And, and he kind of looks like she she kind of freaked out. 
And uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you say after you something that like off? that? And so, so you didn't even so like to go. No, 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 because I, I know because at that point I just looked yeah, fucking yeah. awkward as hell. Could have stuck the landing. But it was funny because he's like looking at me all awkward, and he, I, I told him I was like, I was gonna give you the goat, and then he was like, under, oh, okay. And she, <laughs> the girl with him is like, what? Like she didn't get it, you know? <laughs> just like, what do you mean? Oh, but you just gonna, said here. I'll show you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fucking A. Well, we can circle back here and touch on what shirt cocking means. Yes, shirt cocking. What is it? So, uh, I guess the first time I ever heard it when I was at uh, Burning Man. It's a common common practice out there, I guess you could say. But it's a, a practice in which men decide to wear only a shirt and let the rest hang loose. And let's say that this, this came up because we were talking about my girlfriend's two-and-a-half-year-old who is a professional shirt cocker yeah like at that age you are this kid has i mean she'll send me snap you, why is shirt cocking wrong yeah you're exposing your genitalia i don't know like what's wrong with it yeah what's wrong with it tommy i mean it, it feels wrong like you were saying before it feels wrong because you'd either go all naked right, or full nude seems like, like makes more sense makes, like it's if someone's shirt cocking it's like did you just forget or yeah, this is a choice. <laughs> it's like that dream you have where you wake up in the school cafeteria and you're like, oh, I'm dressed. Shit. And then you look down and you're like, I don't oh, have my pants no on. Band. To be honest, that's where my idea for Sweet Dick came from. That's why. <laughs> I was just riding my bike one day and some guy was like, hey, Sweet Dick. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, All right. So let us know. What is it? Yeah, what, I, why I did it. What's the internet say? Oh. Oh, it's not wrong. <laughs> oh, it's not wrong. Okay. I thought there was a definitive answer. I'm sitting here waiting. I'm like, what What makes it wrong? What else does the internet <laughs> say about shirt cocking? Uh, apparently, sure there's, looking it up over there. there's a couple of fe- <laughs> Photos only. Photos only. <laughs> there's a couple female versions equivalent to shirt cocking. Uh, one being shirt cunting. One being daisy ducking. Daisy ducking, I like. Beaver blousing. Let me see, clam jamming. <laughs> I, I like the alliteration there. Not alliteration, but the, the flow. It's got yes. flow. It's got it a does flow, flow nicely. Uh, tea twatting. <laughs> and then, you know, the good old shirt cocking. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, uh, that's shirt cocking. On that's to the next shirt. one. <laughs> we covered shirt cocking. <laughs> Check. Nothing late on shirt cocking. All hey, right, cross well. that one off the list. What's yeah, next? <laughs> Beaver blousing. Oh, well, I was talking before about, because um, we went in the Battle of the Bands, um, and uh, one of the things that I got to, into when I started doing that printing, I, I did um, this heat transfer vinyl. It's different than um, than actually screen printing, yeah. and um, I was making shirts for um, my uh, cousin's fiance at that time, I believe, um, for, he, he was Ziggy, was what he went by, and... Uh, so I made these Ziggy shirts and then went to this hip hop like uh, battle. Basically, it was a battle of bands, but for hip hop, and uh, that was rap such battle. a rap battle. Yeah, <laughs> it was such. But they weren't battling against each other though. That was what was weird. It was like you were voting for them, but it wasn't rap battles. But uh, it was it was cool to see um, to see that that different because I had grown up going to punk shows, going to other stuff, seeing the difference, but how similar it was too. Like how the everybody just stood by the stage, 
and didn't, you know, do, and didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> that was the same. <laughs> Thank God, Thank God, cell phones weren't like as prevalent. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is a cool night at the youth club. <laughs> what do you want to do now? Let's go do drugs and get wasted. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, no, it was cool because uh, it, it just does. Uh, you, you had some. What I thought was cool was there was this one kid and he got up and all he ever did was freestyles, like and so like he he definitely stumbled through his stuff a little more than what others did because they had set yeah. sets that they were going up there but and doing. But it's more impressive. Yeah, I was sure. very impressed. I'm like, holy crap! And I felt like he should have gone further because he was doing that. But um, and he was doing quite well with it. I'm sure there's little lines, you know, when you do that, that you think, oh, oh, I should throw this in, you know, if I, you know, something that you come up with. But for the most part, I mean, it was pretty much on, on the fly. You know, what would be a cool idea, not to knock you off track here, but like doing Battle of the Bands now, a lot of these bands, because of COVID, have been doing like live shows, you know, and you see, do even, a move. well, like Lamb of God just did a live show with Megadeth and like, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. But you see a lot of bands doing live performance where even the members aren't in the same house together, but they're playing a song. Sure, together, yeah. You know, they're able to do that. Yeah. It'd be cool to do like a battle of the bands, Um, you know, somehow get a prize together, you know. Virtual. Like, yeah. I don't care if it's $500 or whatever, but, um, you know, to get these bands to submit and then you pick 10 bands and. And say, okay, Go we're going to do this and do it where people can log in. They don't have to necessarily watch it on live stream, but they could, you know, but vote by the end of the week and yeah, yeah, right. get out of the bands. That'd be kind of a neat idea. That would I'd, be I'd cool. get into that. Well, yeah. and it, it would be nice because it's original music. That's one thing I know, like, you, you see a lot, and it's always been this way, I guess, but I see it more and more is it's cover bands out yeah. there. And I did the, co- I even did the cover band thing for Christ a little while. Five was, finger death punch and disturbed. Is, <laughs> 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 They're just overpaid cover bands. Cover bands. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing to me to, I, I don't, I, I don't know if I'm just not connected enough to the scene or if it just is that way that there isn't enough, uh, bands out there putting out, uh, original material. Um, I, it's probably more me being disconnected, being older and having children yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty disconnected too, uh, but I definitely don't have my finger on the pulse anymore, but it does, it's just the age too, you know, like yeah, the right. times have changed. Going yeah. out to see a live show, just going out to do anything, you know. People are sitting at home playing their video games instead. Yeah. And <laughs> so, they're hula hoops and Like I said, you can turn your phone on and watch Lamb of God play live in your living room. Yeah. You know, yeah. Are you really going to go down the street and watch, watch some, a band? Yep. Yeah. And how good is that band, you know I mean? There were some doozies. Yeah. Oh boy. How? <laughs> so, do you remember Skullfuck? I'm the bucket player. <laughs> you might remember Skullfuck. No, I don't. Okay. I, I remember being like the closing band many nights and like just watching the crowd leave after you know. Yeah, like, each, every, after each band played like, a little yeah, we're bit just more. Noise band. I play the saw and he plays. You know, we're like, oh shit! There's not going to be anybody left. Anybody left? Oh, <laughs> drinking now, boys. Don't have to worry about coordination because no one will be here to fucking listen to it. <laughs> that's the. That's why we did it, right? Like. Yeah. The the passion. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was the passion. You know, some of the most fun I ever had playing shows was like when you would rope me into learning a Neil Young song or something. We go on to the seminar. Oh yeah, open and jams are great. Like, open man. jams are fantastic. Yeah, yeah, they can. That's when cover songs are acceptable because you can turn them into real jammy kind of. Yeah, things, I, I think when you re like when you take a song and make it your own, it's a little different. Like because yeah. that's what my dad and I oh, were starting yeah. to play. It's a lot of fun that way, man. Just doing just like, me playing acoustic and him and I um, harmonizing, yeah. and um, it it went real well at. at um, 
smaller bars and stuff like that. Like, well, it's fun for the people that are listening because they're familiar with the song. Yeah. And they get to see some people play some live music, but it's not... You're not trying to put on a whole show, you know, like, and you're there for yourself. Yeah. yeah. That's, I go there just to, you know, an emotional release, play some tunes, have a good time with some, some other musicians, you know, and it, there's not consistency to it. Yeah. You're not trying to make a buck playing someone else's music. Right. You no. Know? And, and, I like and it. if you do do a cover and you're just, you know, and, and you're like honoring that cover instead of, you know, like when we did covers in Art of Fate, which we did very, very seldomly, we did two songs the entire time yeah. played. and one of them was a lamb of god song and one of them was an inflamed song and they're both songs that very seldomly pulled out you know sure but it was stuff that like we loved those songs they were real popular songs it wasn't us as a death metal band being like well the crowd, the crowd's looking pretty dull let's, yeah. uh, let's play some pour some sugar on me or some yeah yeah. Sugar, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, love. yeah we were playing those songs because we loved you guys them. know any good charlotte yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kick oh. things up a notch here. <laughs> That's always the best too when people run up to the stage, some drunk Suggest, assholes, yeah. like, dude, play Enter Sandman. Or, <laughs> or, you or yeah, yeah. Uh, Rusty Saw. How hey, you that? know Freebird? Yeah. <laughs> no, I've gotten like uh, doing even the comedy thing too, doing music in that realm. I've had people be, Go, please show them to me. Play, you know, so oh, or yeah. like in something like a different person's comedy song. It's like no, I, I can't. I, I'm doing my original stuff here. Yeah. You know? Like, and I, I've only had that like. Like twice where, where I've had anybody and it was an extremely That's drunk annoying. person. It is. Well, it's like you it have is. a phone. Go home. Take yep. your pants. Yeah. Sure sure. <laughs> exactly. Do anything you want in your own home. <laughs> you hear right now. Yeah. So I kind of want to. I want to talk a little bit about some of your musical influences because I know like like you turned me on to a couple different things lately. Vitalism being one of the primary ones. Yeah. It just it charges me up, man. Oh, man like yeah, it's such a great band. I'll go so like, hiking, biking, I mean, anything outdoors, I'll turn that on and just fucking that is get lost, you know? For sure, my favorite, like, type of, of metal music is stuff that's, I mean, I, I love that it's brutal, I love that it's technical, it's heavy, but it's also, like, very uplifting music. Yeah, there's like, a fusion to it, for sure. Their, their style is completely oh, different. Oh, and just in terms of, of musicality, of course, you can you can listen to those guys, if you know anything about music, you can listen to one song from those guys, and you know that they could play anything they yeah. could play jazz they could play country they could play and I latin mean, yeah <laughs> i was gonna say that very latin infused that's what you yeah, showed me latin that one okay yeah, yeah yeah i mean i mean, I, I really love music like that too i mean like uh bands like between the barriers and me where you have a song that goes from almost indecipherable just brutalness and then eight minutes into the song there's a hoedown but it works like yeah. it makes sense <laughs> What just happened? <laughs> how did I get here? <laughs> but but how did that? You know, I I love stuff like that. Well, like we talked about, like Opeth as well. Oh, yeah. You know the the, the beautiful journey. contrast of of their style is what really just sets it off. You know. Yeah. You're like, how can this guy be so good on this end, and then so good on this end? There's such a there's such a dichotomy. There's such a duality. To yeah. Michael Ackerfeld's music. It's so it's almost alarming the first time you hear it because he literally sounds like Satan one minute and he sounds, and he has such an angelic singing yeah, voice. Yeah, you know, without a doubt. makes such a great, yeah. you know, and they have, I mean, between those they things. always have had such a large sound for being, what, four pieces, five pieces, yeah, you know, like just a small, 
four piece, yeah. yeah. Four, and they've always had such amazing drummers. That was their drummer a influence for me, yeah. Martin Lopez. Yeah, my, I was gonna say he, was so smooth. yeah, and he was like so well versed in like and, like world beats. Yeah, like he he like just you could hear like the styling of like he'd go into for a filler and stuff, or even just like when when the music would slow down and change pace, the way he'd he'd set that tone and that yeah. mood with with how he'd play. Like it was just, and you don't think about that as a drummer, like when you're doing this stuff, but like when you listen to that music, like at times you're the, you're the one setting the pace. You're the one kind of setting the mood. And, uh, I mean, it takes a collective everybody. But like, right, but you're the sure. timing. You're though. the timing. But there are you're drummers the ti- who are strictly time machines. Yeah, you know, and they're keeping time to the song, and they're keeping a basic backbeat. Mm-hmm. And then there's drummers like like you're saying with Martin Lopez or someone like uh, Danny Carey from Tool that there's so much nuance. Yeah, they're like they're creating atmosphere just by themselves. Just by right? themselves. And they how, could just you could just be hearing where just they're them. hitting that symbol, how hard they're hitting that yeah. symbol when they choose to do it. I mean, the different drum. Ha- I, there's there's so much to go into that too. I mean, there's. Just like anything else, you can dive. You can really deep dive into it, and, uh, yeah, and, right. and find a lot more if you. If it's you kind of fun it. to nerd out like that on some stuff, oh, you know. Like, oh yeah. Um, but then you know, like you showed me, uh, you know, other ends of the spectrum too, like uh, Penny and Sparrow. Oh yeah, that's uh, that's who we're going down to Tennessee to see. I completely, that and that that's things. like like goes to what you were saying, like you know, it's just a couple. Couple like guys, ma- yeah, making making noise, and it's it's but, creating but that band, Penny and Sparrow. They're like their harmonies and their notes, where there's harmony, whether it's between the guitar and and the singer or the singer, and maybe they bring in a, a female vocalist on a song. There are harmonies in that music that literally just, I mean, it's that so often listening to them, where the hair just stands up on your arms because it's it's almost like a frequency that you can't, you, you don't even know how to describe right. the feeling that it gives you, you know. <clears throat> And you get, like I said, you get a lot of that emotion that comes through because it is such a minimalist approach musically that it's so powerful and driven by the emotion behind it and the story behind it. And, uh, and it hits just as hard as some of that, that other stuff, you know, like, um, take for example, murder by death, right. A Mm -hmm. band that's been very influential to to both of us. when we first saw Nina back then. I don't even know when it was, but I mean, they were young kids, barely a couple years older than us, and they were uh, called Little Joe Gould then, and they were at the Blue Moon Coffee Shop, and we just happened to stop by one day. I remember Blue Moon. Yeah, right? Lots of great music came through there. Oh, and, yeah. Like, we were like the only place. people there, and here's this band with a guitar player singing belting out tunes. They had a cellist, which, and she was- Cello was amazing. Cello was amazing. Absolutely, like, the most evocative instrument. It's, <laughs> it's fantastic. I got to play with a cello player for a little while, and I miss it, man. It was so fun. But, um, you know, they had an amazing drummer playing really interesting stuff, really good bass player, and they had a, key, uh, a piano player. And it was just, I mean, I was blown away from the first time I heard them. And I bought their new album, and I went home, and I listened to it front to back. And, like, literally, it brought tears to my eyes. It was so good. And I still listen to that band. But they have all these parts in their music, you know, that they can they can do something that's very complex, that's very rich in with that cello in there. Again, with just there. four members, sometimes, too. Like... Sometimes they run an accordion, a trumpet, stuff like that. But then... Like one of my favorite songs by them um, is called Shiola, and it's just literally the singer sitting in a rocking chair, one take. It's just him strumming a guitar and singing the song, and there's and there's nothing else, and it's so powerful because of that, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's not. It's cool to see people create those things, you know. Like it's so easy to just go and 
mimic what you hear on the radio or create pop or yeah, not add any depth to your musical palette. You know, not seek it out. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's all about palette. Whether it's cigars or whether it's whiskey or whether it's music or whether it's right. um, you know actual uh, visual art. Like it's about growing your palette. You yeah, there's I mean? a lot of parallels to that for like, sure. It's not just about the artists that we're looking at. To me. It's not just about what they created. It's about who you are as someone who's consuming that art because you need to grow too. Like, I feel like I need to grow to be able to appreciate what I'm doing. Right. Whether you're talking about a cigar that the first time you smoke it, you don't know how to smoke it. You don't know how to cut it. You don't know how to keep it uh, in the right humidity and things like that. And you go, this sucks. But then you give that same cigar to someone, uh, a tobacconist who knows what they're doing with it. They know what to look for out of it. They know how to treat it and how to smoke it. And they right. go, oh, this is a great cigar. Same with music where you listen to that um something like vitalism that's very full very technical yeah i mean i play that music for the average joe at work and they're like that is noise that's yeah nothing how can you listen to that how can you listen to this right. guy screaming in this band or whatever but if you learn to appreciate it if you grow your palate so that you can appreciate that stuff i mean it's it's on the listener it's on the it's on the person looking at the art too it's not just yeah for sure well and that goes back to what our name is you know like uh no such thing as art. The idea is that without the artist, there is no such thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, without the perceiver, there's nothing there either. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, and I, I mean, perception, no, really, now no, that's an art. I, no, that's, that's an art. art. <laughs> that's tagline. That's my tagline. Also, the name of our video, our, uh, video production. Yeah, I was told there was going to be mushrooms here. Mushrooms. <laughs> happening soon? Mushrooms. but we can't talk about them. That's what... <laughs> the government doesn't want us to get the secret. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, yeah. Speaking of mushrooms, yes. what do you... Uh... <laughs> what do you call a pregnant pot? <laughs> Why did you uh, look at me? Well, uh... No, um... Wasn't hallucinogens one of our uh, topics of discussion? Psychedelics. Psychedelics. There's a, a big difference. Oh, the psychedelics. Very, very important. Again, to what to what we were just what I was just like speaking on that uh, broadening your palate and broadening like your perception. Yeah. Um, I I studied philosophy in school. I know Tommy, you were there with me. You took some yeah. classes with me, and I really I really kind of deep dived in. in into that yeah that was a lot of fun i mean i really enjoyed being around for that period because just you know on a sunday evening we had i mean we could find ourselves in a philosophical conversation for two three hours you know yeah. and i feel like that period of my life really opened me up to a lot of a lot of the uh, Diverse ways of thinking yeah, and, and realizing things. how important perspective is yeah. to, to anything. You right. know, depending on where you stand, it's going to change what you see. And the important thing with psychedelics to me is that um, so much of what we see is a is a pattern, or what we expect to see is what is what we see. Right? Yeah. And expectations. Break that down. What you're I'm taught not, to expect. Yeah. What you and, and those those cultural or personal. Um, ways of seeing things that you usually walk through the world seeing things a square is a square and a, and a right. circle is a circle um get broken down and you are able to actually see something with new eyes i know i've i've uh i watched a study once where these people with lsd uh they they brought in a bunch of scientists and this is in the 60s when lsd was new and this was um you know made in the lab lsd yeah proper stuff and they brought these scientists in 
and engineers and um, people, the, the prerequisite for being in this study was that you had to have a project that you were working on for three months, six months, whatever it was. And the, and the point was that they were at a, you know, they're, they had stalled on it. They couldn't get, they couldn't figure out the project. And they just wanted to see what the effects of LSD would do. Sure. So they brought these, these people in, um, these creators in, and they brought their projects in and they brought the people into a room and gave them all a hearty dose of pure LSD. <laughs> And they let them sit for half an hour. And then they said, all right, boys, it's time to get to work. And they opened the door and here's your projects. And they went in and I, they said that like patent after patent was written. Oh, what happened it. that day? Because I mean, it's just like, it's like writer's block with comedy. I'm sure it's with writer's block, everything, music, thing like that. You know, you get, you get so stuck just seeing the same thing that's there. You can't see anything else. It's yep. just, you know, I'm, I'm writing this song and I, I cannot figure out what the next chord is. I can't even think of it. Like, you, you know, it exists. Everything exists. Right. But until you have something like actually break you out of that funk and do that, and that's something that yeah, like right. It kind of it kind of removes those blinders, you know. Yeah, uh, I feel like in some way it allows you to access different regions of your brain. Yeah, that are normally restricted mm-hmm. within that ten percent that they say you will use. That's why it's such an important uh, important thing the research they're doing regarding psychedelics and like depression because depressive right. thinking. You know, or, or anxiety, thinking like that is just thinking the same well, things over and over again, not being able to break out of that cycle. And you introduce something like psychedelics into that. And shakes it are, up. Well, psilocybin yeah. primarily, you see like, um, well, like we had talked about the uh, Paul Stamets story, but about how you can, how you can rewrite and reprogram your yeah, brain. You can rewire yeah. your, your own neurology. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and get over these, these potential roadblocks that are holding you back from anything that you, yeah. you know, they're standing in your way. I definitely firmly am behind that belief for sure. Um, yeah. If anyone's wondering, Paul Stamets is a, is a, one of the foremost, if not the foremost mycologists in the world, he knows everything there is to know about mushrooms. Yeah. Not just psychedelic, like all mushrooms. And um, he's done some really, really fantastic research. He's doing great things to like save the bees and stuff. If you're interested in him, uh, there's a great, uh, Joe Rogan, couple yeah, of Joe Rogan podcasts. You can just yeah. type in Paul Rogan and search him. It's some of the most interesting stuff you've ever it's heard in your life. Incredible to listen to. Uh, it really, really gets you thinking. You know, everyone I've told about that podcast comes back to me like, "Oh my god, yeah, that was amazing." <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it definitely sent me on a journey uh, and downshifted and took a hard right in my life for a little while, uh, just just from hearing what he had to say and, right. and then thinking about it. You know, and, and like the reverence he gives it because. You know, when we were kids or we were in our 20s, whatever, we used, you know, mushrooms come around yeah. and party on them. And it's just something to party with. And it wasn't, it was never used as something to, like, better yourself with. Yeah, like, there's definitely a strong, especially the older I get, a strong spiritualistic aspect or element to it that almost gives it, like, almost gives it some sort of sacred feeling right like yeah, it's, absolutely it's definitely elevated more and up to a pedestal of i actually had a like a beneficial use trip like that where i did that i ate mushrooms and it was just fun whatever no big deal and um and then there was a time where a lot of things were going chaotic in our lives and um and i just happened to take some mushrooms one one day and they were very strong <laughs> that's a pretty big dose <laughs> and uh and i i started you know you can have a bad a bad trip if you let yourself go down the wrong way you know and i started kind of seeing myself going that way and i 
and I just went for a walk and I went out into nature into a forest and I sat under a tree and I had a, a very like spiritually enlightening yeah. But still to this day, I think about that. Nature, I think nature plays a big part in it as yeah. far as uh, energy and uh, wavelengths. Yeah, I, I think you know, for people who are having serious, I mean, people who have PTSD, people who have depression, people who Addiction have problems, anxiety, things like that, there are places you can go in the world where like a trained shaman, if you want to call them that, not to make it sound like pseudoscience, but... But someone who who knows what effect these things have guide, and how to yeah. guide you through this yep. experience, that people go and do those things and they have amazing results. It's yeah, huge breakthroughs. Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely a powerful thing. And and you see, like, and I've heard, I've heard other people talk about like uh, like Silicon Valley is a big area for for microdosing. Oh, yeah. yep. You know, re- repetitive use of like small doses. Yeah, just just a pinch. Just yeah. to kind of just, it's, it's to, not, just to give you a little... It's not inebriation, but... No. It's, yeah, it's less... It's, it was a, less than an eighth of a gram. <clears> I think I think that's... Less than that, an eighth of a gram? Yeah. Really? Uh, oh. Yeah, I think it, it depends on your body weight. It's, yeah, it's I mean, body weight thing, but it might be, something. you know, for someone my body weight, I think it's like... See, I pictured half a gram. See, I think it's <laughs> one and a half... No, it can't be less than an eighth. But it, I think it's just an eighth of a gram. Yeah. It's got to be more than that. That's but, really microdosing. But I think a gram, a gram and a half is where you start to physically yeah, feel. Yeah, that's, that's lift off. Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes from there. But when you're talking about microdosing, you're talking about, like, it's not inebriation in any way. You're not going to hallucinate in any way. And like you said, those guys in Silicon Valley, those guys who are really, like, at the forefront of technology and what's happening in our society and our world. Yeah. Like, those guys are microdosing regularly. Right. And it's... Just like I said with the patents, you know, with those scientists and that right, study, right. to break them opening out of, avenues in their brain you know, to yeah to induce creativity. Yeah, what is that? What is it? Limitless, the movie where with the pill. That's that what I, it was. I was trying to think. Yeah, of it. so there's this um, movie Limitless where they have a pill in there that you take it and it unlocks your brain, the rest of your brain, and it always like. But there's a payoff for but that. Yeah, like eventually the people. I've heard people compare that because what do they call it? Like special. But they call it this is some name. For yeah, I it. forget what the hell the name. But is. But I've heard that. people draw comparisons to Adderall too. Yes. Yep. Because it like it strings you out. Well, yeah, it basically like charges them up, makes them really productive and do really well. But then there's a payoff on the yeah, back end of it. Yeah. Age quicker and they deteriorate faster and stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot of things. But the, yeah, but the thing was, it allowed them to access like fifty percent of their brain or something but, like that. But mushrooms literally almost have no LD50. Right, right. You'll puke them out before you can overdose on them. (laughs) And there's no hangover. There's no... I mean, you might feel different the next day, but it's not... Especially if you haven't done it a lot. Like, I know that when I first started doing them, I felt like... I I would say a mush brain, but, like, not stupid, but... Distracted. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you just travel to a different dimension. You got stuff to think about. Yeah, no, no. That's, <laughs> and see, that's as I'm older now and have tried it under different circumstances. I've definitely found that the next day is I'm not stupid. I'm reflecting. Yeah. You know, uh, on everything you just have yeah, gone through. Yeah, yeah. processing stuff Process, that before that's a perfect word for it. Stuff that beforehand I couldn't figure out. That all of a sudden became clear to me, and now I'm trying to, you know, figure out how to apply it, why it became clear, why it wasn't clear in the first place. Yeah. You know, there's, again, a lot of ways to look at it, and uh, 
I don't know. I'm grateful for the fact that I've been able to grow to that point, you know? I think, like, what's happening in our country right now is very, makes this very apparent, but, like, cognitive distance, dissonance is a huge problem, and it's literally a mental block, if you don't know what cognitive dissonance is, I know you guys do, but if anyone listening doesn't know, is a mental block where you literally cannot see the truth, even if it's made apparent to you. Right. Because it goes against your belief, yeah. what you believe to be true mm-hmm. prior to that. And a lot of people deal with that where, in, in a political sense, you see it all the time. Polit- so politics is where you really see it. Say, hey, look, this politician said this about children, went into a dressing room and looked at these naked children and bragged about it. Right. They're yelling at this politician for sniffing children, which, yeah, that's fucked up too, but they literally will, <laughs> they look, will write it off. You know, yeah. Just, well, he, go, no, no, no. Uh, we can, there's always an yeah, excuse. Yeah. Always, but, like... Well, you see it with religion, too, though, like... Oh, yeah, religion's another huge You know, like, um, the... The Earth only being 5,000 years old, dinosaurs never existed, yeah. I mean, but there's these things, and and the thing about cognitive dissonance is that people suffering under it, which we all suffer under it to some degree, I'm sure, but people who really, really... Right, there's a thing, there's gotta be a line between that that and bias. They They can't see it. It's like being too close to something to be able to focus on it, and you have to back up in some way before you can actually bring that thing into focus yeah. and that's what mushrooms a lot of the time um do for people is actually let them get out of that yeah that them, themselves break down their ego and their own predisposed beliefs and actually see something for what it is rather than what they believe it to be which i think in turn that that creates a self-awareness too if yeah, you, if you self-awareness is huge as very person. self-aware yeah. like you realize your flaws like, like and this well, is what my personal experience. Things you it. need to, you maybe need to address in order yeah. to achieve becoming who you want to. Who you want to be. Yeah. Think about in terms of um, dealing with people. Like I said, I'm I'm a. I stopped drinking three years ago, and luckily for me, I was able to do it on my own. I didn't have to go to meetings. I didn't have to do that stuff. But a lot of people do it, and in those meetings, that's what they're dealing with. I mean, what the fourth step is is coming to terms with all the shittiness that you did in yeah. your life and really facing it right. and doing that. And they're using mushrooms to break people of addictions. And it's been very successful. Like no matter what the addiction is, but that's the same thing when you're addicted, when you're in it, when you're, you know, when you need that all the time, you can't see anything else. No. You can't see anything outside of the need for that. Night. And there isn't really any self-awareness there. Yeah. There, you're, and there's no room for growth as a person. Yeah, you know? right, right. You're just going to continue on that spiral. People can be addicted to religion. People can be addicted Anything. to being on their political team. Yep. People can be addicted to, uh, you know, thinking that abortion is wrong or that it's right or that homosexuality is wrong or that, you know, until you can, like, actually grow as a person and actually hear the other side or see the other side and have a chance to actually really think about it and think about it, like, from a fair stance, right. nothing will ever change. You'll never, you'll never grow. Yeah. No, and that's it. I really feel like, because um, there's always this age-long, you know, thing. Well, is it is it a person's personal choice or is addiction a, a thing? You, you look at anything. I, I'll tell you what, you eat a candy bar at 1 o'clock at the same time every day. Oh, yeah. And, and you, because you like chocolate and stuff. When you take that person's candy bar away, they're going to be pissed off. Like, you can get addicted to anything. Oh, yeah. I've, and, literally, I've literally had conversations with people smoking cigars at a cigar lounge where they're sitting there smoking a cigar, drinking a whiskey telling me about fuck these homeless people fuck their addictions they're weak it's like, and i'm like <laughs> yes yeah. yeah you've got a crack pipe too what are you talking yeah, about exactly. you have the money to afford i mean yeah that's a that that was a weird conversation i had recently because i went to minneapolis recently i brought my son there just for a weekend to get away and 
do something and, and uh we were out there and these people are like yelling at me like get out it's a war zone relax <laughs> you know and i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> i'm looking around and it's just like crickets you know yeah <laughs> where is this shit happening like i'm right downtown like there's people here yeah they're not trying to kill me they're not trying to rape me what no are you talking that's about? Like, yeah. i gave a homeless guy a cannoli that's the most exciting <laughs> thing that happened here today. you know but people have this this but those guys are coming back and still arguing with me, saying, like, no, no, it's really bad. Yeah. It's I'm like, listen, buddy, I'm here yeah. right now. I'm telling you, like, firsthand <laughs> empirical evidence. I'm here looking <laughs> like, at Like, here's it. live video. I, yeah, I can. And, and still, it wouldn't change their minds. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so they believe what they want to believe. There's no. Well, and, you know, one of the things I had a conversation with a friend earlier today. And one of the things is they get so sucked into that that if you don't believe exactly what they believe you're automatically the enemy you're automatically an idiot you you know they have these perceptions these these labels and it doesn't matter who the fuck you are they don't give a fuck who you are as a person if you don't see eye to eye on that you are automatically a piece of shit you know what i mean and it's like wait i don't fall into that category either you know like i mean I i do on some things like um topics like you know, if you're, uh, think that the Jews need to be exterminated, like, all right, you're on the other team. Yeah. yeah, Stuff like that. But I've had conversations with family members where we've sat at a reunion and all day talked about this and that. And we can, maybe I don't agree with you on this or that, but it's fine. We can talk about it. Sure. Exactly. We both love each other. It's fine. And then abortion comes up and I go, Oh no, I, I, you know, it's not my body. I'm not a woman. It's her right to choose in my eyes, you know? I haven't talked to those people in years. That was a deal breaker. Yeah. They literally wrote me out of their lives because of a different view on abortion. I know that's a very hot topic. Yeah. Um, and it is what it is, but yeah, things, things in terms of like hate crimes being okay, you know, that's like, well, I guess I'm done talking to you. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I can see it. in some. Well, you have to draw the line. It's, it's, it's I don't know. For me, it's like, why are you behind? Why are you fighting for the right to hate? Yeah, yeah, yep. exactly. What? Why? Like on either on any yeah, side on of either anything. side yeah. exactly. Why? And why do we have to be so fucking extreme about all? Of yeah, it? can we just chill the fuck out? You know like, what I mean? Like, like, our, like our political spectrum in this country between the left and the right, to me, really breaks down. To I know this is really whitewashing, generalizing, but it so often seems to break down to me between having fear and having compassion and i think you know like which side is which yeah, right. you know what i yeah, mean right. i'm not saying either side is perfect in everything and that or that either side is wrong in everything but when it comes down to it like it's fear-based decision versus compassion-based decision. right and if it's gonna be so black and white then it's not right versus left it's fear versus compassion yeah exactly yeah. that's i agree with that I yeah that's a very good way that. of putting it i've never really thought of it that way i know um like for me, like it's it's funny because because looking at the two candidates too, it's like all right, I'm gonna look into what's the alternative, you know. And when you start looking into that, it's sad because there's you know fully well, it's it's just a two pony race. Like and anything else that's getting in there, it doesn't have a chance. And it's unfortunate, but uh, it'd be nice to see where we expand and get to a point where we can actually like have these different viewpoints have representation that it's not just a 50 like or you know not 50 50 but pretty darn close when it comes yeah. down to it between red team and blue team yeah you know I mean, like you that's, imagine living in a country where you vote 
for who you think is best instead of voting for who you think is least worst. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's absolute bullshit. And, and, and the fact to think, like, that a, um, because there's checks and balances no matter what, um, the fact to think that one person can make such a huge difference in some of this, too, like, I, it, who, who becomes president is a very important thing, but it's not... It's not like it's uh, well, and that comes to Supreme Court justices, really, is where that comes down to it. Which and I know that's <laughs> yeah, you know, this is this is where we uh, we really see that the president like leaves a lasting effect. Like there's other things too, but a lot of that has to go through Congress. A lot of that has to go yeah, like any executive order can be turned right around with another executive order. Um, when and you the can next see president how one comes, president can come in and. and erase so much of what the last what the last did. president did and you see it all the time and it's unfortunate like why can't why can't we have a little more uh bipartisan like agreement on things like hey let's give this a go i know i don't agree yeah. with it but let's give it a chance and see what it does if it isn't doing what we're hoping it'll produce then let's look at an alternative instead of right away like this is not what i believe this is not my side yeah i have to i have to change it did you did you know that for the first i think it was two or three presidents we had in this country that the runner-up in the race for president was the vice president that's how it worked yeah thomas jefferson changed that i still think that's a great idea yeah because then if trump kicks the bucket and hillary clinton not let's not even get into that but whoever <laughs> whoever's on the other side you yeah. have to work with them yeah, because right. if you don't and things change. It, forces, it forces the hand of working in unison, in unison instead of yeah, fighting it, all the it time forces yeah and I mean, now it's just stalemate after stalemate, yeah. and and this side shuts down Congress, and that side shuts down Congress, and you don't have the things in the bill that I want. I mean, why Tem- do we temper tantrums? There's so many things wrong. It's gotten not, so much po- more polarized. I'm I feel not like smart this time to wrong. talk about it, but yeah, it's it isn't broken. I mean, but I'm smart enough to know it's a broken system. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I, everyone can agree on the fact, you know, that that why aren't there term limits in Congress? Why yeah. aren't there term limits? I mean. I think either side even says like they support that whenever it comes up because they know it's such a universal. Oh, you can like, talk to someone with the biggest Trump sign in their yard, and they'll be like, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me." Yeah. You can go into the city and talk to someone who's got Biden painted all over their house, and they'll yeah. say, "Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me." Yep. Well, if that makes sense to the people, Why we're supposed it? to be a democracy, yeah. and the government <laughs> is supposed to represent Rep- the, the people, people want. want exactly. Then what the fuck is happening? Yeah, here? exactly. And that's <laughs> that's where that's where it's all just a show. Yeah. I mean, it's just all it's smoke and mirrors. Like for capitalism, uh, yeah, exactly. consumerism. Because if you didn't have like something like that, brain you, fodder, you wouldn't have people. Um, it's money driven because people are like, all right, well, we're gonna stick to these unless you come and give us enough money. Yeah, and uh, and you know, then then maybe we'll we'll start working with you, but you have to include this too. Like, and you look at a bill. Oh my god, when a bill like when it goes well, through, there's so much like underlying shit that they sneak in. Yeah, there. yeah. And it's it's so shady. It's like I'll give you your vote, but here's what it's going to cost you, you know. And and like why 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 can't I mean let's just look at the issue and have a legit fucking vote on it. And for me right now to see the the extreme divide, you know, and it's like I'm tired on it. Honestly, I'm not. Yeah, oh, we all are. You know, I don't know. I feel like some people aren't. Some people are really. Oh, yes getting off on being behind it like it's being, like it's the only thing that matters you being know? in the argument of it like being on either side being right team. yeah By we yep. meant thinking people yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> people yeah people who are able to think for themselves yeah definitely tired of it we're like all exhausted bored. 
bored of it. Fuck politics, fuck politicians, <laughs> fuck your political view, everybody. In your soapbox that you think you're on when yeah. you're telling us yeah. about what you Just think. Just because you're an American and you have a thought does not mean it's right. It's not. Fuck off. Yeah. Take <laughs> some mushrooms. We're going to the forest. We're right. Or shut up and go back to your fucking couch and keep yelling at your TV. Yeah. There you go. Fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> Uh, real quick before we we kind of blew by it real fast, but we were talking about open mics. Yeah, uh, I just want to drop in that the uh, cold shot in Appleton. Uh, I love the cold shot. Yeah, Tuesdays they got some. Uh, they're gonna have open mics starting October sixth. Okay, or open jams rather. Open jams and the best handlebar mustache in the valley. Go see Dave. He's, he's the best. I love that guy. Yeah, Bobby Bobby Evans is yes, uh, pretty much great. running running the open jam. Uh, ben Reddy. Definitely some cool people. Shout out to Josh. I know he listens yeah. sometimes. Um, but, yeah, so I'm definitely looking forward to getting in down there. It's a Tuesday. Every Tuesday I think they're going to be doing it. But, yeah, it starts back up October 6th, so I wanted to just fit that in there. Yeah, and they got. Um, we talked a little bit about Skyline's open mic on Wednesdays. After that, actually, right downtown Appleton is Ambassadors, and they have uh, um, an open mic there. I believe that starts at nine. Is that comedy or music? Comedy. Okay. So, but I. I, I don't know, that's after Skyline. That's after Skyline. Oh, that's a cool at, idea. Yeah. At the Ambassador. At the Ambassador. That is a cool bar. Have you yeah. Been there? No, I haven't. I oh, will be soon. It's so. Super. So you should check that out yeah, and get your go. start there. We're gonna have to talk. Maybe I'll come back when because I still have comedy questions to ask. Yeah, you, it's, it's you can go into it now. Yeah, we're talking. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. What kind of questions you got? Okay, no, it was it was really more like I wanted you to talk me into being brave enough Do to it. try it. Sometime. Try it, try it. Dude. That's all he says. Is it's try it. <laughs> Ross is the worst wow. at peer pressure. <laughs> Man, you were but good. seriously, <laughs> it is like talk oh, about. Guys. Well, in that case, I got jokes to write. <laughs> How, okay, <laughs> so here's a question: How do you? How do you write a joke? Because I'm sure it's just like musicians, they write stuff differently. Yeah, um, like things will come to me sometimes. A lot of times what you do is you go to open mics and you, you just, uh, that's where you're you're trying your material out. So like ideas you have, and it might not always hit. We bounce a lot of premises, yeah, premises I've, off each yes, other Yeah, Yes, I've, I've bounced off of Tommy. I've bounced off of, uh, there's a handful of people that like I, I will, like at work even, like we'll, we'll just be in t- on conversation and the joke turn into just write shit down, dude. Write everything yeah. down. Just, just and get that's in the part habit of we like, text each other because yeah, like it's I'll there, come it's up written. with ideas for like sketches and scripts and stuff to write. You yeah, know? and like I'll write the premise to him, but that way we have it and we talk there. about it, sure. and that way you know that premise. Otherwise, whiteboards are great too. Yeah, we have a big one downstairs. We have with yeah, a I bunch see, of I ideas on there. I drew that. That's what <laughs> art. I created up top left. It's can beautiful I, art. Can I write shirt cocking on that one, or is there mm. space spoken for? Go ahead, you it. can do it. That's, that's gonna I be don't it. think that's been written on since episode number two or you three. You have to draw it next to the horse <laughs> cock. That's what it was the idea that we were well, going to have. it's a centaur cock. It's a centaur cock. Why is it so <laughs> diseased? Speaking it's of not, centaurs. It's a centaur. No, that is diseased. No, it's, it's something wrong with that. It's, it's a big. Dude, I got this premise for a joke I've been writing, I might as well just fucking talk about it, but it's like, do you think that that guy that was fucking horses was like, hey, maybe this is how centaurs so are So explain to him, walk like, him through your premise and how you put it together. But anyways, um, so 
like just like that, just things you hear about, just you'll think of something funny because you know it's funny. irony a yeah. lot, irony <laughs> a lot, um, misdirection a lot times too. Um, stupidity, stupidity. Is... I, and I'm very stupid. Like my humor is very stupid. Oh yeah. And, uh, because like, I, I feel, uh, that's just my style. I, I play guitar when I, when I do mine, I sing, I have a few songs I've done and then I'll do jokes between that. And that lands so well because like you're pumping that crowd up with the song and the song might not always hit and get laughs during the song, but then the jokes afterwards kind of do, um, I'll joke about my kids a lot. Um, people love hearing about that kind of stuff. If it's in the right the right context and everything. A lot of people too, it's funny because you can do a misdirect with that a lot of times and you see it where you're talking about, you know, you're talking about how great your kids are and then go into like a really gruesome detail about being a parent yeah. and it's like, oh, oh, okay, you know, like, and that's, that's always does well. Um, I think but, part of it too is being able to embellish a story but sell it yeah. genuinely. It, you know, because you got to embellish it to to make to up the stakes to make the exactly. joke worth it, right? There's yeah. a lot of shit I lie but about. But to, sure. to tell it naturally <laughs> without sounding like you're trying to fucking embellish it. Right? Yeah. And being a good at, at storytelling. So not overdrawing the information that you're bringing in and trying to include. Being able to trim the fat, effectively tell it. Trimming fat your marks. Yeah. So you take that stuff and you take your ideas in and like workshop them at the open Workshop mics, them at the open mics. Or fine until you have a good five minutes, ten minutes. Yep. Yep. Talked, you work on it in five minute increments. We've yep. talked to a couple comics that, I mean, they've had jokes that they'll, they'll write and try and rework it and rework it and it doesn't work. They'll set it on the shelf and two years later they'll bust it out. Tweak one thing and it hits, you know. Yeah, because they have. It's almost because it, it it's comes like creating an arsenal, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like finding that next chord in the song that you couldn't figure out. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It is. It is. It's like, and a lot of arts like that. You figure like a person who's painting like different styles, and they see it in their head, but they can't quite get it out yeah. with their hands. When they eventually do, oh shit! Yes, here it is. Yeah. You know, right? And the the proper structure of words comes to you, you know, and that. That goes into, like, we were t talking about other stuff. You know, you apply the tempo, the delivery, the inflection. Yeah. All that shit is, is different brush strokes in painting your picture. You know what I mean? And that's that's one thing I think some people jump into comedy and don't realize right away. Yeah. Whereas, like, I don't, I don't do stand-up comedy, but I have a lot of background in performance and comedy you did the roast and fucking killed it though <laughs> but like, well like so you studying have performance you have theater you have theater. right yeah. and I second mean, city second city was a big part of that that was improv but you still have to you start a sketch with a premise yeah same way you start a joke okay. and sketch is a visual storytelling of a joke you know that's why you see like like a lot of the like george lopez these people that ended up starting as comics and then getting TV shows, a lot of the storylines for the TV shows are based off the joke premises. Yeah, yeah. they were writers. They were mm -hmm. comedy writers first. And yeah, I see that. The, the thing that's terrifying to me, because I can go up in front of however many people and play a song on guitar and sing to them. Which That's how he That's did. how I started. Then I think it's terrifying. I don't think yeah. I can do what you do. I don't think I can do like <laughs> comedy, comedy with music because I just... I don't know. It I doesn't. It doesn't fit that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not. Wrong with me, we're it? with me. Like it was dingling shit like that. That yeah. I was playing, doing covers, and having so much fun watching the whole bar get into singing dingling. Yeah. And that's what drove me with my music. That's what made me want. It was definitely yeah. crowd driven. 
and uh, because I'm a narcissist and I want attention. But <laughs> this is, uh, most most comics are. Um, no, that's not true. But you I, mentioned I could, when like people in school had to give a speech, you felt more comfortable. I felt very comfortable going up with a guitar. With a guitar. Oh yeah, like, and sure, with a guitar. See, sure. whereas on my end. If I was like, oh, I have to do a speech, like, that was my fucking time to shine, you know? Like, I was really good at that. I had no problem yeah. being in front of people. Projection and enunciation and, and using all those tools you already had from the theater. And right. Things, right. I, no, I've never, ever wanted to give a speech. I would rather go up and scream until I'm bloody in front of people than, like, just sit and talk. Because I know, like, I've listened to Burr talk about it a ton. I've listened to mm-hmm. all these comics talk about it. I mean, I'm really, I'm a student of comedy. I listen to all that stuff, and they're all just talking about how, like, are you going to eat your balls? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah, gonna, it's, really, and you're gonna feel so shitty but here's the about thing. it. All, all, the, all the people, all the people that you're gonna eat your balls to, yeah, are also eating their balls, and there's yeah. probably gonna be yeah. seven of them. Yeah, exactly. and they're all gonna tell you what's good about your shit, what you can work right. on. No, that does make me feel better. Yeah, yeah. everyone's really cool. That's this... what's cool about, and see, and so there's with Skyline, and and Madison was the same way when Sean. I lived down there, and Sean was coming down. Mm-hmm. And the first couple times we go to a uh, comedy club on state, and he couldn't get on because nobody knew him. Yeah. You know, it's just two fat guys with beards walk in and like, I want to do comedy. You know, <laughs> well, it's I would like that. <laughs> well, but the guy said, "There's after this one, go across the street to the small place. They got open mic. He went there twice, fucking killed it. Next week he was up on stage at the at the comedy club, and um." But that's what's cool about it, or especially around here, the comedy scene is still in an not infant, but definitely juvenile stage. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the open mics, uh, with the after the after open mic, yeah, creates less pressure because you're not on the stage that Jason Muse or any you know like any of these comics are on. You don't have the fucking lights on you. You don't have every, I mean, you're in a bar setting, so people are in the background milling about, you know, um, and it is, it's just a perfect place to workshop your stuff. Whereas, you know, an open mic in LA, not that same fucking, and and see, that's what's funny. Our last guest, Fitz, did two weeks in LA uh, doing open mics. And he was like, he talked about how fucking miserable it was. You know, because it is. It's a totally yeah. different atmosphere. At least he gives you more material. <laughs> it's really good at making you learn that you suck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? But uh, but I think that's a really good idea that they're doing that at Ambassador. But like I said, a lot of it is uh, the diehards, five to ten of them, you know, on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night. Yeah. I mean... You might get a couple good turnouts, but like I said, most of the time this could be five to ten dudes that are also eating balls, yeah, and then helping each other. It's 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 like being in an art room at the college. You know what I mean? Yeah. Most of the time, people are going to critique you in a positive way. Someone's going to be fucking pompous or jealous or egomaniacal about it. You know, there's always the, those people, but yeah, and but you get one person that you really connect with, and it's all, I mean, that's like the most amazing thing, right? Like whether it's with music or whether even if it's just you and me hanging out in your garage last week and we're talking about something and I'm making you laugh about something, you're making me laugh about something. Like it doesn't matter if it's just one person they're laughing their balls off. Like I'll feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Well, and honestly, if it all if it all fails. 
Just tell a dick or poop joke and you're good. Yep, oh. dick, poop joke's That's really good. That's <laughs> honestly, I tell, um, That's I, I'm still in that stage. I'm doing the masturbation jokes and like. Oh, I don't joke about Ooh. masturbation. That's that's I a serious thing. <laughs> no, that's an art. <laughs> says, says Ross with a strong right arm. Write that, that down on the whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, just. There's a lot of open mics that are going. Uh, Monday night we have one at the attic. I'm actually supposed to be co-hosting that one, but I've uh, well, with the stuff go. recently. Don't, uh, yeah, don't definitely. Let me, don't let me. Don't let you not. Yeah, I mean, I'll just go home and smoke. I have a resource for you. <laughs> you know, like, let me know that's happening. So I'll forget. I don't remember that. I like, a, write me. You know Sean? Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. He's, he's been pursuing his mm-hmm. homeless van drifting comedy career. <laughs> it's, it's very uh, interesting. So the, bu- the book I gave him that got him started into it, I have back, and I can give it to you if you'd like. Okay. Definitely more welcome to look at it. It just gives you... You know, a little bit more detail on constructing a joke, things like that. Now, it's funny because it's by Judy Carter, not a stand-up comedian, right? That June Carter sister. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure there's no relation. But I heard, I heard an episode. I forget who it was with. I'm sure it was a comic, and Joe Rogan, and they were talking about these. Books on how to write comedy that are written by people that yeah. nobody knows yeah. <laughs> as comics, or their teachers at like imp- the improv in, in, in they give acting lessons yeah. and shit like that. Uh, there's some good stuff to this book. I've definitely gone through it. Uh, I don't subscribe to all of it, yeah, but the, what, yeah, useful. there's a, there's some useful shit to start a good foundation as far as starting a joke, developing an idea. Rounding it out and bringing it back, hitting with your punch. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, if that's your your biggest holdup is the eating balls in front of people, like I said, it's easy when you're. And it's practice. That you know what I mean? But I mean, I know what it is. I know how I am. How I how I work through shit. Like no matter what I'm doing, whether it's the the actual like job I have, putting floors in, or or. You playing music in front of people, doing whatever it is. Eating like, balls I, is I unacceptable. Have, I have to fucking no. I have to eat balls. It's, yeah, it has to happen. Yeah, I always say or <laughs> I just have to get up. And do it. That's the only way. Like reading a, the I best way to learn how to do something is to first learn how not to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. I have to learn by. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I definitely and that's it's the same way in in acting and doing theater. Um, you know, when you first get into a role. And say if it's in a fucking musical and you got a song to carry on top of it. And singing's maybe not your strongest yeah. point. You know, uh, that first time in front of the cast is like super fucking nerve-wracking. And then you're like, well, I don't want to sound like a fucking idiot, so I'm going to practice this. I'm going to get good at it. And then you go back and, and you're it's surrounded by other people that are doing the same process. Yeah. That are, didn't nail it right away that need to go back and practice it and refine it and find how to do it so that it hits, right? So that it, it people connect with it. And being in that atmosphere, the rehearsals, being surrounded by people that are going through that same process. And what's cool is kind of like, so like you see it on an individual level, but then you see it on an ensemble level. Uh, I think setting up comedy shows is like that too, you know, like, you do it at an individual level, but then 
you connect with a few people and you guys have similar styles of storytelling. And then next thing you know, you're setting up shows together. You're getting booked as a feature or a, a, feeding off a each host. Other. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I've, I've, like, I've always played with the idea, like, fantasized about it for a long time. So what a fucking great way to, like, spend your life if you could actually do it and actually, like, get good at it. Yeah. Well, we've I mean, talked what, to a lot of guys. Be a like, better job than that. Some, that some really it. enjoy it just for the emotional outlet. I, that's creative definitely outlet. an outlet for me. Yeah. Some I, do it because they're passionate and they want to, they want to try a hand. Some do it like, like Tyler's. Like, if I can pay my what I need to pay by setting up comedy shows and traveling, and then just live with outdoors in a tent. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty great. He's an outdoorsman. (laughs) Yeah. He's a woodsman. Woodsman. That's right. That's what we went into that. I said a thought that, like, how you feel about, like, I'm not saying that guitar playing or playing songs is a gimmick, but, you know, there's that, there's the fucking puppet guy. Yep. (laughs) There's certain things. There's an infomercial guy. If I could get a good fucking gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that? So now, and I was thinking about Kreischer again, because I've been listening to Kreischer and Segura, that that podcast. No shirt. Yeah. What if I was the shirt cocking guy? <laughs> no fans. No fans. Like, I like the twist. Do you think I could, bringing it back around? Do you think I could? <laughs> Depends on how nice the hog is, I suppose. You'd get a lot of laughs from the comedian. I don't think I'd one. have to do anything. Yeah. I just walk out there just and like. Didn't it. Tyler almost get kicked out of the Cimarron for, for showing his ass? It was oh showing yeah, his he ass. was a shirt cock. It was like yeah. a. Okay. So it was like, like a like, shirt uh, butt. Yeah, I'd have to have a, a good manager. But like, a reverse shirt cock. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I had I had approached early on by someone who was looking to manage and stuff, and that was uh that was kind of interesting. Um, and it kind of blows your head up right away. Yeah. I remember, and I, I remember had, going. I, I remember walking in there the with you. It, um, and it was like it was just I it was going good for me right away. And um, so I went in and I was cockeyed and shit, and I ate dick, <laughs> <laughs> and and I felt so horrible because up till then I was killing Checks it. and balance. And, yeah, and it really it really humbled me. It was like, okay, dude, you know nothing, and you think that you you were just gonna blow the doors open to this because you're doing some gimmick or yeah. you know, like it's because it was right away. Everyone's like, dude, he's a guitar comic. Oh my god, we don't have any of those around here, you know, like and so like this right will away, never not work. yeah, yeah <laughs> and it it it. it it did. It does not work, and and like uh, it makes you kind of push yourself though after you get that too, because then it's like okay, um, when you get you those set bags, your own standard. Out yeah, yep, yeah. definitely, and it's like, yeah, it's like disc golfing. You're just playing yourself, man. You're trying to score. Like that's going out and, but yeah, I there's a uh, multiple open mics that you can hit up uh, Monday just to do a little uh, shout out here. Monday's at the attic. The uh, doors open, I believe, at six o'clock, and show starts at seven thirty. Um, and then uh, on two—that's at the attic in Menasha, um, I think two hundred Main Street, uh, right downtown there. Um, and then on Tuesdays in uh, Green Bay at uh, Pepper, it's called. Um, they have uh, open mic there. Uh, show starts at eight, so I'm guessing sign ups probably like at seven. Yeah, sign up at seven. It's real little there, and then um, they also they have the um, open mic at Skyline on Wednesdays, and that's uh, sign up online now, which has changed. It used to be at six thirty. Sign up and the doors six thirty open the doors and sign up seven thirty. The show is starting. It used to be if you didn't get there ahead of six thirty, you weren't getting the spot. 
like uh, you had to make sure that you were um, there and in line, and it never got real cutthroaty. And they'd always do bucket spots then for the last like two, and so they would. It was kind of chaotic though. A lot of people were trying to get there. Yeah, and like you know, like you somebody didn't get off work and wanted to get there, and didn't get there within the first fifteen minutes. They weren't getting on. And And that was like six hopes. I, I. it just kind of, I think it overwhelmed their system really fast. Yeah. But what's nice about the online thing and then having the after show is, again, it creates the two varying levels. So yeah. it kind of gives you something to work up to as well. Sure. You know, because once you start, once you start getting your tempo and your voice and your style at the after show, you can get more comfortable going up on stage. Whereas, you know, there are people that are trying comics that are committing to this, that are trying to get there that couldn't because of a babysitter issue or work issue. And they're being ousted for some dude who jumped off the bus and thought it'd be fun to try storytelling. Yeah. You know, and, and then all of a sudden your time's filled up, your spots are filled up and the people who are contributing to the comedy scene and its growth are not getting a chance to utilize that platform. Right. Yeah, and you and now with them having that sign up, you see that now they're they're letting a lot of people on, and it's uh it went from three and a half to four minute spots now, um and I think you get delayed at three, and um it kind of makes you work for it. Like yeah, I said, you, you can't yep. just be some... you can't just be and they don't let new people on though, and I think they try to let you know, but they're also put on the comics that are that are there all the time and make sure that some of these guys are getting on too, but that doesn't mean every week. Like there's like because I've signed up and for for a while I was getting there early enough. And I, I had a spot every week. Now, with the sign-up, I might get three out of the four weeks in a month. They might not, you know, have I think any. I'm sure part of it comes into play. If you got a guy that's going on week four in a row from being there, and he's not telling different jokes, yeah. he's not trying sure. different things, he's just telling the same fucking set. Yeah, you know, joke got a lot, yeah. last two times. I might as well tell it again. Yeah, it gets stagnant. And, they, and like I said, I think they're, they're trying to create more room for comics that are workshopping their stuff to be able to go and do that, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. And for me, I, for me to even consider it, I'm still not fully convinced that I would ever have the cojones to actually go up there and do it. I just want to go and watch so that it works out. Yeah, well. How long are the spots at the, the ambassador? Ambassador. I'm not sure what, um, what that's looking like. Um, Every comic that we've talked to about steps and advice for people that want to get involved, I said, if you're not sure, go and hang out a couple times. Yep, definitely. And that's what got me And then you're going to get the fucking bug. Yep. And then you're going to be like, well, fuck it, I can do this. I can do this better than that guy. Yep, and that's what it is, too. You see someone get up there and eat a bag of dicks, and you're like, That happens to me all the time, but my passion, I guess my passion, it sounds so fucking flamboyant saying it like that. No, tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Interpretive dance. Oh. With a side of belly dance. fucking pay money to see <laughs> <laughs> no i guess we're like my comedy chops the, the stuff i'm interested in doing it comes from more of a videography background where i like to express my comedy in a series of you know video like edited video versus standing up and and, and talking about sure. it i think i think i could have fun with it yeah but i just have not been able to commit that much of myself to it 
Because there's other things that I want to Well, and there's a lot of commitment when you do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like trying to, because I know when we were working on stuff even too, and then when I was really heavily into getting to all the open mics, like it was very much like it. But what's cool is yeah, uh, the stuff consumer. that I was, that we put together as far as sketches and scripts and stuff like that go, I was able to take to that same group and still get feedback on yeah. it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was, and it was really, it was beneficial. It was cool. I knew what, what was too specific, what was not specific enough, what, you know, and, and, um, and that helped, that helped just that environment, yeah. which I think, you know, like I said, we've talked to a few comics now about the, the scene and how it started and how it's growing. And a big thing is, as having that, uh, smallness that close-knitness of of the group of people that are also trying to do that process yeah you know? that's, that's a that's a great feeling to have like a, a team support of people yeah, yeah. And it starts picking up and you can like start doing a homegrown show or talk to skyline or something about yeah nights when they, maybe they don't have someone in a headliner in or and they right. they do that they'll have uh showcases of their their open mic showcases oh, they nice. do so and then they also they'll reach out to local comics that are developing stuff that's starting to have a the... portfolio, yeah, to do a feature or a host yeah. spot. Yeah, that, there's... It, Sean's I, done a lot, dude. And, yeah. and then through that, you start networking, and he's been able to travel around yeah, just I've been from to networking the people you meet. Yeah. I've been know. to the UP, and I've been down to Illinois. Like, it sounds to, like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. You're know, the second or third person to call him on that this week. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> His favorite thing is so uh so uh <laughs> I just have that accent. Tell me more, Charlie. What, what <laughs> do you think <laughs> about that thing there? Um, or no, or no. Or no. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's so much fun, and I I I uh, I think that there's a lot of like COVID kind of killed it a little bit, but you're, I'm seeing it pop and pop pop up more and more again here. Yeah, and that's what where that's like, more shows now too. It's yeah. encouraging. It's like watching. Seeing a fucking tree break through the earth after being on a scorched area. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? People want to like, laugh. Like, right that now. scene is so, according to the comics we've talked to, is, you know, young and, and sort of semi-fragile, you know? Yeah. But it's cool. It's encouraging because you're seeing resilience and you're seeing it pop back up. Yeah. It, it could. It could have easily just tanked, you know? Yeah. But it's not. It's, it's still around. There's still pitching in to make these shows yeah you know like it's maybe it'll come around and something stronger than it was It'd be cool to see that i mean the, the whole area is growing like the whole yeah i think musically Aspen, too like, like you see um you saw bands like uh um what is it now well that just from wisconsin this is ha- horseshoes and hand grenades they weren't necessarily from around here but um god damn it i'm trying to think of their name right like now Joe Hubers, yeah doing great stuff yeah what's that christian rock band from wisconsin Ooh, oh man, Skillet? that's yeah, Skillet, yeah. Why do yeah, I know that? Local. That's because <laughs> they have a chick drummer that's hot oh, as hell. No, oh, I don't know anything about. Oh, that. they have two females that are pretty good. Yeah, dude, that's oh, that I don't know. What? Did, how did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, we're at two forty-one. So nice, you're <laughs> the longest one yet. Yeah, you're the longest one yet. There's gonna be a lot of editing, right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll, yeah, we'll pre- we'll go through and edit out the the long pauses. If there's anything that. incriminating that you think you may have said that you want us to look out for, yeah, let we'll us know notes. after. Yeah, and remember, my like my parents can never find this. 
Yeah. They can easily find it. My if, girlfriend can never find this because I talked about eating animal organs. Uh, if they have Spotify <laughs> or Apple Podcasts, they can easily find Just it. Just don't tell them that you did it. I don't think they know what podcasts are. I that's think. What... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how Fitz got off, too, because he yeah. said some pretty. Yeah. Yeah, but he, 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 he basically admitted to murdering 13 people. Yeah, that's what <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to so go back and listen to you. <laughs> All right, well, we can do a quick wrap-up here. Yeah. Uh, the thanks a lot for good. coming on. Yeah, thanks for sharing yeah, the cigar with us. Uh, maybe we can make the cigar a little bit more of a regular, semi-regular thing on here. Yeah, and talk about cool. the one from the shop or whatever. and. Like, say, oh, Get a this week we're going to do a review on this one. Have you on for a yeah, segment or something? Absolutely. Uh, it's been it's been really a lot of fun. And like I said, it's it's important for the overall goal of what we're trying to do with this podcast and including the community in several Networking. facets, you know. So being that it's the only one around and, and like it and it's a locally owned business, I think it's really cool to kind of highlight that, and we're hoping to yeah. get some more of that too. So. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. It's cool when you see something that that locally picks up and takes a risk like that, and uh, you like to see things like that thrive because in the world today, you see too many Amazon trucks driving around. I mean, especially now that they got that one in Greenville, that's all you see now are them freaking vans driving around. It's scary a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, like it's pushing everything out. But I think it all comes back too to like that. You know, hopefully people start reemerging. People start going out to shows again. People start going out to see comedy music again because yeah. we've been sitting in our houses for the last six months looking at our fucking phones and we're like, oh, wait a second. This sucks, big donkey. Yeah. Like, Let's go back like and do you. the fun things we used yeah. to do. Like, Facebook, Facebook has replaced like infomercials at late oh, night, garbage <laughs> TV. Yeah. Like, there's a few things that it's good for. Uh, I don't even want to say good for, but that work that it works for. Yeah. Uh, group like yours. Uh, we're not even very active on ours. I don't think we're there, we're active. But there's on stuff it. you can do, you know. Yeah, right. Um, you just have to slug through a lot of bullshit on Facebook to get to any of the good stuff. Right, and I I told somebody today. I think that I think I'm I'm gonna leave my account up. I think I'm just gonna stop using it, and then just use to turn your notifications off. Yeah, that's a big. Well, thing. I don't get them. I don't. I don't get them. I use it in the browser. I never had the app. Yeah, see, I I remember um, for a while there because it's it's very real. Um, there's a, there's a show actually that just came out on Netflix. Um, that's called the Social Dilemma, and it really dives into just this, like how we are, like what do they have to sell? Like, um, th- they can't sell their product to us because we're getting it for free, right? So they have to make their money somehow. We're the product, like. That's exactly. (laughs) We were talking about addiction before. Like, don't tell me that scrolling through Facebook isn't a fucking addiction. Exactly. And I know I've I've fallen I've uh, fallen into that. There's even people that like in that documentary that talk about it, like how it's just like they even know like that's what they're doing. Like they talk in meetings about how how do we keep these people's attention for longer and longer? We need to keep them on our app, and we need to figure out a way to like. To, to just draw What's them the in so we can throw... Way? Yeah. Consumerism. Consumerism, exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's... Uh, it's like... I'm going to keep the, the Messenger app because I'm able to keep in touch with people all over the country yeah, and the world that way. Or it can be. Yeah. Um, but, like, I'm just going to... I'm just going to leave my account active. Yeah. Because every once in a while, some really good memes come through. I know the more... The more I'm on there now, like the more it's just to see what other people are smoking cigar wise. Um, the knife groups, some bigger than knives and stuff like that. But sure. just 
it's more just like learning about stuff. But I'm I'm not one to just sit and scroll through yeah. and see what yeah. every fucking everybody's doing. opinion is. Yeah. yeah, fuck, do I not care? Exactly. Right? Oh my god. Yeah. Over yeah. that shit. All right, boys. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks for sure. coming. Thanks man. for coming. We really in. enjoyed. Uh, is there it's been a good uh, one? Is there an outro song? Or? Uh, no, I don't think it will. Should we make it? I usually just say later. Yeah, yeah, it's just 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 one for me right now. Yeah, right now. Just fucking. Bye. Art. Now that's an art. All right, thanks for listening, guys. I guess, uh, episode number 10, we're going to keep on keeping on. Take your politics and eat dicks. Yep, later. Later. <laughs>